It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. It's time to turn off the lights, grab some popcorn, and watch some horror movies. This is the Terrible Terror Podcast, where at each episode I delve into the world of horror movies. Why do I do it? Well, I can't explain it, but I love these horrifying flicks. If you've made a horror movie on your phone, or made your own special effects MacGyver style, please send it my way. Now, what do you get when you take tragedy, horror rules, and a bloody good time? Why you get... Bloodfest. Welcome to a new episode of the Terrible Terror Podcast, and here we are doing something that is finally something that I can say that from start to finish, you know, it's it's something, I don't want to say like fresh and new, because it's not completely fresh and new, but it's definitely something different than what I've kind of been going through, and maybe it's a movie that I really didn't know that I needed to watch, and that's definitely saying something now i'm not saying that i was absolutely in love with the movie or absolutely hated the movie or wherever it is but it's definitely something that like gave me a little bit of rejuvenation after everything that i've kind of been watching it's not to say that movies like dark man or the lazarus effect aren't like good podcasting movies but some of them feel like a chore. And I'm not necessarily in the last ones or whatever it is. But sometimes you like you look at a trailer and you're just like, man, that could be entertaining to watch. And then you watch it and it just becomes like, like uh, especially for me because there's so much involved in terms of getting audio and doing all of these things where it's like, you know, I just want to like kind of enjoy watching a movie and not just have to be like, 
okay, well, I have to get this and I have to do that. And this was that type of movie where I was finding myself just kind of sitting there watching it more than just like paying attention. Oh, timestamps. Oh, I got to make sure I get this. And it was more like, oh, shit, maybe I should have had this. I need to rewind it and I need to get the time and I need to do this type of thing. So like in general, it's just like that type of movie. Is it entertaining? Well, we're going to have to find out, right? Is it a good movie? Gonna have to find that out, too. Is it a bad movie? Well, you guessed it. There's the trifecta of you've got to find this fucking out by listening to the podcast. Because, you know, otherwise, if I told you everything right now, you might not stay to the end of the podcast. Though, I know some people probably would, even if I went, man, this is the best fucking thing that I've ever seen. And there's been times where I've kind of said those things because they're movies I've enjoyed before. But when it's something that I didn't even know really existed, that I was like, oh, hey, you know, this is something that, you know, maybe other people should watch. Now, it's not something that I'm going to say right out, like, off the bat that you have to watch this movie, okay? Currently, it's available on Prime, Amazon Prime, but this was also done by Rooster Teeth, and they have it, I believe, on their services or wherever you can get it, so you can get it directly from them as well. So, I really feel like, you know, if you like what you hear, there is a twist But the twist is so obvious that it's like, there's, okay, there's kind of maybe two, there's one big surprising thing that comes in the movie. And it's not like anything that has to do with the movie. It just surprised the hell out of me that it even happened. For that point, I'd say maybe if you don't want to be surprised by anything, go ahead, watch the movie. Please do it right now. Come back to the podcast. Do that type of thing. But, like, in terms of the plot, the twist that happens, it's really fucking, like, dialed in kind of from the beginning of the goddamn movie in the way that everything works. And so I wasn't surprised by that. And that's one of those things where it's like, okay, if you don't, like I said, if you don't want to be surprised by anything, watch the movie. Please do. I think it deserves your time. Regardless of how I feel about this movie, I think a lot more people should see this movie. I I was very surprised in the way that everything turned out in terms of, you know, all all the stuff that kind of go into it. The acting, all the other lovely things, the gore, the message, all that fun stuff that happened in this movie. This is just purely a popcorn flick. And it's definitely something, like I said, that I feel that I needed. Whether I liked it or not... I definitely needed to have something that was just cheesy and, you know, you sit back, turn your brain off for a second and just watch the goddamn movie instead of like everything that's kind of coming out nowadays where it's like, oh, we have all those other meetings and we have this and we have that. And it's not to say that I don't like those types of movies, right? Slap face was great. Um, It's something that has a huge message in it and it's something that i didn't necessarily you know mind it having that type of thing in it but this is again this is another reason i think this isn't a movie specifically is another reason why i like horror so much right it's all different types of genres all masked in this gore and blood and scariness and all this stuff And this is not to say that this movie has all these different types of things, but first and foremost, I feel that this movie is a comedy, right? And it's if being done by the Rooster Teeth people 
make me think that right away. And even the trailer kind of sets itself as a comedy. It's definitely, you know, meta, if you want to use that word. Or even in some cases, you could say that this is like a giant meme to horror, right? Let's take all these tropes and throw them in this movie. And the thing is that it does do a bunch of different things with it, and it tries to do certain sections in a certain way, and it also tries to do it based upon the themes that are in the lands in this, like, Bloodfest. So, first and foremost, I want to say that I think that a festival like this needs to exist just in general, whether or not this was a good movie. I think it's really cool to have this type of thing where they're trying to recreate not not that they're going to try to kill people don't don't get me on that one that that doesn't necessarily need to happen but the fact that it's like a giant you know a haunted house but on 700 acres all these different lands scaring a bunch of different people going through out the night i think it'd be a ton of fun and i'm sure there's some things that are similar around there and there's even like traveling music shows that try to do something similar at least with the grounds and stuff like that the thing that kind of comes maybe it's not necessarily closest but i definitely think that it maybe in the realm is not fest like the fact that they set up like the haunted house and they have all the carnival rides and all the other stuff along with the music, like that type of thing. Like, I think it really needs to happen. Something bigger, something that is definitely just based around horror. And if, even if it's only one night, it would be fun to see. So I have real, like nothing that I can connect to this for me that is like, oh, you know, why did you watch this movie? What was your experience with it? This is my experience. This is the first time. Why did I watch the movie? I went through a bunch of movies. I saw a trailer. I was like, huh, Rooster Teeth. And I know them from Red vs. Blue, right? And if you don't know what that is, it's a web series that involves, like, basically Spartans from Halo. And it's comedy. And they used the... The, the and I'm gonna get this wrong like totally and I know people are gonna be like no that's not exactly it but they used uh this like theater mode if I remember correctly that was built into Halo to basically make a TV series and make well it's not necessarily like long TV series I think they started off as like shorts and then they got longer and longer as it went along and as the popularity was there and I remember sitting in a room at my cousin's house with my cousin, uh, Paranormal Pat, and I believe one other person, I can't remember, and we were just watching these things. It was, it was just like a family affair. And while I can take it in small doses, and maybe this is also going to get like me yelled at or whatever, like I've never been like the biggest fan of it, but I respect what they do. And there's some really funny stuff. And maybe if I had just kept with it, then I would like it even more. But it's kind of like, it's the same thing with Beavis and Butthead with me, right? I really like Beavis and Butthead. But if I watch it for three hours straight, uh, I get so numb that it's just like, ugh, I need to watch something else. And not to say the episodes aren't good and there isn't good comedy in these things, but watching back to, I can say that about Monty Python too. I love Monty Python, but I can only take so much before I just start singing spam, 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 spamity, spam, spamity, spam. You know, that type of shit that goes on with these things. So it's, it's just one of those things. So I was partially worried, like 
okay, they're going to try to do too many funny things with the movie, and they're going to try to make jokes off stuff. And then in back of my mind, I was just like, well, if it's too much, I've got probably plenty of material to go off of anyway. And if it ends up being good, I've got plenty of material for me talking good. So let's go ahead and just watch it. And plus, a friend of mine for the longest time was working with him. I'm not sure if he's still working with him now. And I looked through the credits and I didn't see his name anywhere. I was hoping to. But, you know, it's still something that I feel like there, there's, there was another movie that came out. And I know my mind is going over the place. But there's another, like, horror festival movie that came out around the same time to which I haven't seen. And that might be like, it might have been like Horror Fest or some shit like that. I can't remember what it was, but it was definitely a lot more serious in tone than this is. Hellfest. That's the name of the movie. And they're like, what's better, Hellfest or Bloodfest? And I'm like, well, you know, they're two different tones of movies. But, you know, this is what's available to me right now. And maybe, you know, we look at Hellfest and then compare the two because they came out by the same times. But tonally, they're completely different. So... Without further ado, let's just go ahead and get right into Bloodfest. And Bloodfest actually starts on a really cool moment. And that's where we meet young Dax and his mom. And, okay, I know I just said really cool moment, but you have to, if you've seen this before especially, but you have to forgive me here because this got me choked up a little bit. And no, not because what happens after the scene, but because it reminds me of being a young kid and sitting down with my grandmother and my grandfather and watching old school horror movies because they're sitting in the living room. He's dressed up in like a skeleton outfit and it reminds me for like years when I was a little kid, I was constantly a skeleton, but I was trying to be a Stalfos from Legend of Zelda. I even got like the shield and the sword and all that stuff, but like they're sitting on the couch they're having popcorn in the background it's white zombie that's playing on the screen no no not rob zombie's band i'm talking about the original movie and you know he has some questions to ask his mom and it's just it's a cool little thing that happens here and it just again reminds me of my childhood why do we watch these movies maybe because we're not supposed to and they're fun i thought these movies were scary they are. It's so scary that most people would close their eyes or run away, but we don't. When the shadows are dark and the music is creepy and you know you should close your eyes, we take a peek. Boom! <laughs> and laugh. Because now you know. You know what? That you're stronger than anything you're afraid of. Pretty cheesy, Mom. I'm gonna check in on Jamie. Okay. You two continue to scare yourself silly. Thanks, babe. Chocolate milk? Yeah. It's so cool. Like, there's the mom that's in love with these things. And isn't this why we love horror? Isn't this why we keep coming back to this genre? Is because we know that it's gonna scare us. Because we love the the ghouls and the ghoulies and the, the ghosts, the goblins, the vampires, the skeletons, the crazy mad scientists, the, you know, the, the blood curdling monsters with 16 eyes, Cthulhu coming down to bring death to all humanity. Like, that's why we love horror, right? This right here, there's somebody in our lives that brought us to this. 
and it it really wells me up so much to see this like little scene that we've got here that's so fucking cool and it just automatically like took me back and what a wonderful way to start the movie except for what happens right fucking after it <laughs> which is just insane like i'm getting all these emotions because it's true it's a cheesy little intro it's just a quick, you know, minute and something here of a mom and a son enjoying a horror movie together and she's sharing her love for these things over to the, you know, her little child. You know, his sister isn't hanging out there and watching it along with mom and him and it's just a great bonding moment between the two of them. I I absolutely love it. And so she goes and gets the chocolate milk and that's where some of the horror begins and it really sucks. <laughs> Because she's in there and she's like going through the, the refrigerator and finding, oh, look, we got some, uh, what do we got in here? We've got some um, bologna. No, that's not chocolate milk. We got some weird like purple stuff. What? Who the hell puts this purple stuff in the goddamn fridge? We don't even know what it is. I think it's been there since like 1972. But oh well, then there's the Sunny D over there in the corner. But that's not true. Oh, there you go. There's the chocolate milk. So she goes and gets it and she closed the fridge. But she can, first, she can't turn on the light before she gives it in the kitchen. And it's like, huh, that's a little strange. And then she turns around and there's a masked fucking killer there that murders the shit out of her. We don't get to see how she dies, right? We just know. I think she gets stabbed because I think he has a knife. And that's when, you know, he goes to check up on mom and then sees the killer there in his red mask. And he's big and he's buff. And I really thought that this was going to be like some type of dream thing that was going on until the dad fucking shows up and then like fights with the guy, pulls out his gun, tells little Dax, hey, turn around and cover your ears because you don't need to see this and then fucking pegs the guy with a bunch of fucking bullets in the background for killing his fucking wife meanwhile dax has turned around to the tv and sees the you know one of the parts of white zombie where the lady in there she's got the knife and she's getting ready to kill somebody and it's like there's a real horror in the background yet he's watching the fake horror on the film and, and the realistic stuff is worse than what he's actually seeing. But then all of a sudden we wake up the next day with Dax and we get the theme song to the movie, or at least the intro theme song uh, to the movie that you heard at the beginning of it. As we look around his room and he's got all these different horror posters and masks and all this stuff that he was able to get through life using horror as his like, I wouldn't say like, you know, security blanket or something like that, but he grew to love what his mom loved because he loved his mom so much, right? Like he kept that tradition alive, even though sadly she's now gone. And so as he goes into the kitchen, he meets with his sister and basically begins to talk about where he's going, which is this big festival that's coming up called Bloodfest. But when he goes and speaks to his dad, his dad has other plans. Bloodfest actually sounds kind of boring. Boring? Come on, sis. Bloodfest is a Herschel Gordon Lewis cinematic classic. Okay. Bloodfest, the thing that I'm going to, is the greatest horror event of all time. It's gonna suck. Whatever, Jamie. Dax, did you come to my office, please? Hey, shut the fuck up. Cheers. 
Hey, you uh wanted to see me? You know, I'm being interviewed on network news tonight. It's kind of a big deal. I, I really want you to be there. Yeah. Hey, sure. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll try to come. I'm going to be talking about Bloodfest. How I and my family are totally opposed to it. How no child of mine would ever set foot on those grounds. You understand? Mm-hmm. Good. Then uh, you won't be needing this. Wait a minute. I... Look, I, I think I'm old enough to make my own decision. You live in my house. I don't understand this obsession with violence, Stax. Dad, it's... It's movies. I don't know what to tell it you. It poses as entertainment, but it's these kind of movies that drove my patient to kill your mother. How do you not see that? This isn't about her. Please, don't... Don't do that. Bloodfest is a gathering of freaks and degenerates celebrating mindless violence and gore. Okay, so <laughs> there's a lot to process here. One, he's super excited to go to this thing because he's totally in to the whole horror thing, right? This is some big event that he's going to be, you know, going to that he's waited all this time to. It'd be like, you know, any teenager wanting to go to something that the parent opposes. I mean... Basically, what we're looking at here is like a footloose situation where we've got the priest that hates fucking dancing. Oh, you can't fucking dance. Oh, I hate horror. Like, this guy's got a reason to kind of hate horror, right? And he thinks that horror movies are the reason why his wife died. Other than, you know, this guy was really just fucked up in the head and thought that things were real, went and fucking killed his wife. Right? Because that was what he wanted to do? I I don't know. Like, I'm not in the mind of a fucking psychopathic killer. Okay? I don't just put my th thoughts into these things like, Oh, must kill Lennon. Must kill Lennon. No, I don't do these things. It's just, like... I, I guess because he was dressed as like some psychopathic killer from some movie because he had the mask and he was all buff and shit. He spent his time like there in his little padded cell just constantly working out. Like, why do you need these dumbbells? Me try to grow big and strong. And then they're like, oh, okay, that doesn't seem weird at all. Here you go. Go fucking work out and become a hulking fucking monster. And then when we try to stop you from leaving the asylum, we can't fucking do it. So... Yeah, that's not a big problem. Go ahead. And then the first person he decides to kill is, oh, must kill doctor's wife. Must kill doctor's wife. And it's all horror movies that made me do it. And I know some people take these things to really big extremes and that they get warped by stuff. There's a lot of stuff that happens out there that's not even horror that does this shit, you know. But it's it's the same thing, like, it's just kind of cliched, I guess you could say, in this type of, like, movies in this genre, right? There's always somebody that got influenced by something in their life that turned them to a life of crime. 
and killing and you know whether it's christopher robin fucking leaving you behind or it's the fact that the person never said hi to you as you passed them in the hallway every day oh no i've got to make sure that they're the ones that get it so i'm gonna dress up as pig man and i'm gonna go fucking slaughter people or you have like jigsaw type of thing where it's you know I, I got wronged here and I must wrong all the people that are bad, but give them a chance to show that they're really good. It, it's all these different, like, it's just very generic in the way that it's kind of being written here. And I get why this is being done, right? The screenplay itself was written by Owen Edgerton and it was directed by him too. And I'm not saying that it's bad, okay? It's not one of those things. It's just, this is very cliched, but I think that's the point is that everything in this is supposed to be relatively cliche in the way that they're doing like horror tropes. And, you know, it's like, again, I don't want to say that it's bad or it's good, but I'm just kind of like, oh, okay, you know, this is going to play into something somewhere. And especially in the line, you know, it's almost like the Spider-Man line is going on here, but it's just so that we can be, you know, we're always stronger than whatever we fear right that's probably going to play somewhere in the movie so yeah dad's kind of a dick for destroying the ticket and destroying the wristband but at the same time i kind of get it like why he's doing these things I, i don't know if we're supposed to hate the dad at this point because the son just wants to go to a festival or is it because like we have to be somewhat sympathetic because you know his wife did die by somebody supposedly emulating horror stuff. So it's a 50, 50. I I don't feel bad for, you know, the, I feel bad for Dax, but I don't necessarily feel like the dad's a bad guy. You know, I, I just don't know if what, what we're supposed to feel here though. It does make sense later on in the film kind of, but yeah, that's just the way that it is. So he no longer has his ticket to Bloodfest, to which we actually get a nice, you know, relatively funny commercial for the whole event. Bloodfest is a gathering of freaks and degenerates celebrating mindless violence and gore. It's going to be extraordinary. Blood, blood, Bloodfest. Legendary film producer, movie promoter, and lover of all things horrific, Anthony Walsh invites you to run for your life! Bloodfest! We've taken a 700-acre ranch in the middle of nowhere and recreated the most iconic of cinematic horror locales. Don't miss the biggest names in horror, celebrity panels, and the most outrageous parties. Recent additions include the original Arborist, Roger Hinckley, the cast and crew of Hell's Nest, and late-night karaoke with Zachary Levi. Get inside the gates before sundown on Halloween. Oh, holy shit. How do I get to do karaoke with Zachary Levi? What type of karaoke do we get to do? Like, is it all going to be the Slash Street Boys? Or, you know, is it going to be Freddy Krueger singing the hits? Do I get to hang out with other people? Like, what do you sing at a fucking horror fest? Or is it going to be like nothing but fucking insane clown posse shit? Like, what exactly do you do? Or is it, are we going to all fucking karaoke the Monster Mash? In, in fact, I think that we should. I think that whenever a horror fest comes along, we all have to get into the lab late one. No, no, no. I said that would not invade this fucking podcast. And here we are. The Monster Mash is fucking back. Get rid of that shit. No, 
That's going to be somewhere else. I will be working in my room late that night, and I will not be thinking about monsters and all the different types of fright. I will not have Dracula dancing in here, nor there will be any fucking fr- Oh, God damn it. Uh, but nonetheless, like, it actually sounds like a really fun event, and maybe that's because I love this stuff. Uh, and here, you know, we have Dax. He's played by Robbie Kay, and Robbie Kay has been known for a couple of different movies, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, On Stranger Tides, uh, In Bruges, Hannibal Rising, My Boy Jack, uh, a couple of different things besides Bloodfest was one of his first movies that we had here. And then uh, it's funny enough that Anthony Walsh, the voice that you hear on the commercial, is actually Owen Edgerton. And I didn't realize that until about halfway through the movie because I couldn't put a face to the fucking name. And it's great. I think that actually, and I'll say this right now, he is my favorite part of this whole movie. Anytime that he's on the scene, it fucking just steals the movie away. And I'm not saying that, uh, you know, Robbie Kay is bad because he's not. Actually everybody's pretty good and there's another fucking surprising person in this movie that i just as a main character that i only know from one other thing and that's from the spider-man movies and that happens to be uh and i'm gonna fuck up his last name so bad but it's jacob Batalon or Batalon or however you say it but he plays ned in the spider-man movies and i was very surprised he's in the trailer you know that you see him but i was like this seems also like one of his kind of first films as well and it he's honestly playing a very similar character to the first spider-man movie but he's still really fun like again the whole cast even like the way the cast is it's very generic and it's very like horror movie tropey but everybody like plays the role very very well so I'm not going to talk shit about the actors, actresses, because, again, I think they do a good job. But I think uh, Owen Edgerton really steals the show whenever he shows up in the movie. So now we've got Bloodfest. Now we know what it kind of is. It's this giant festival for everybody loves horror and that it's going to be gore filled for the freaks. That's how it's being advertised. The same way the father, of course, there's the juxtaposition why he hates it and why they're trying to get everybody to go because they know that's what horror fans want you want the blood you want the guts and this is going to be a celebration of everything that that stands for right everything that's horror is going to be here and of course that leaves you know (laughs) dax over here very upset that he's not able to go and his friend sam and also krill that we meet for the first time here they're going to try to convince him to find a way to go. You've got to stop watching that. You're torturing yourself. We'll find another ticket. The whole thing has been sold out for months. These scalpers are charging more money than I have to horse. Yo, yo, yo. Y'all see my Overwatch post? I hacked the game code, got all badass on ultimate skills. Three new subscribers, none of them relatives. Boom, boom, bah. Morning, Krell. I'm now ready to forsake my virtual multiverses for a weekend of Bloodfest. Plus, I think it's time that I find the extraordinary lady worthy enough to deflower me, the krill. It's mind-boggling that no one has not show up yet. I know, right? That's what I'm saying. It's crazy out here. It's crazy out here in this world, man. Where? What? What? what what's up with him? 
His dad found his wristband. You guys just go ahead without me. Maybe you should call Ashley. She'll probably get you in. Oh, please don't mention her. Dude. There's a Hell's Nest panel of blood fest. She probably has an extra pass. I, I, I can't, I can't believe it. it's so wrong. Like Ashley Spatz, Ashley Spatz is a blood fest, and I'm stuck here. You know Ashley, who thought Black Christmas was was a Tyler Perry holiday movie. You know she she, she refuses to watch Seven because she didn't see the first six. Okay. She thought that 28 Days Later was a, was a health doc about the fucking menstrual cycle. Dax, you're pitiful. Here's something that you really want, and you're gonna let your dad stop you? He's, he's a scary guy. Everyone's dad is a scary guy. Nut up. You were made for blood fest. Yeah, you fucking prude. Just nut the fuck up and stand up to your dad who shot a guy in fucking cold blood while you were there. Well, it wasn't necessarily cold blood. It was in cold blood defense. Let's say that. Because he did kill his mom, and there was a revenge thing that's going on there. And I wonder if that's going to play into anything that's going on in the movie. But we'll have to see if that has anything to do with the movie. But, like, I hate it sometimes. And this is where it drives me fucking crazy. Where they want to show somebody is, like, nerdy. Like, part of it, I get at the same time. The other part, I'm like, okay, all right, you hacked the fucking Overwatch servers. Pick a different fucking game in a different fucking company. There's no way that you would be able to do that type of shit. You know, I expect you to be able to hack something out of fucking, like, you know, Fast and Furious, Fury Road, or where the fuck that game was called, where it's just a piece of shit game and you did all these cool things. But you're going to go into Overwatch and you're going to hack that stuff to, like, give yourself a bunch of skills. Not to say that those games can't be hacked, okay? We know that the games can be hacked from your Fortnites to your Warzones to your fucking Overwatches. But it's always some outside program, not some little fucking geek that's just doing it. Who knows? Maybe it is some little fucking geek that's doing it on the outside. But that's become a lucrative business. Even when this movie was made in 2018, lucrative fucking business to sell cheats on the fucking web. And here he is just magically is able to get into the servers. Nobody fucking catches him. But then the line about, I got three new followers and none of them were my family just makes me laugh because that is the life of an early twitch streamer right where it's like you're just barely getting into it and you have some followers but you're and you're happy whenever you get one and i'm not speaking on my own little things here but uh, like that brings a little closer to home so it's weird because it's written in a way where it's like yeah okay i totally get it to what the fuck are you talking about? Like, what type of bullshit is this? Like, just fucking do something normal. Why do people have to write gamers and like computer geeks and computer nerds in this specific way? Just let them be normal people. I know I've said this to like a, a bunch of different times in a bunch of different podcasts, but just write them normal. We're just normal guys and gals. We just like playing a game. We're not like this all the time. And, like, do you need to show that he's extra nerdy and he's a fucking virgin? And that's what he fucking starts talking about? Oh, don't worry. This is why I'm going to Bloodfest because I'm going to give me some pussy. Oh, yeah. Hey, who's got that pussy? Me. Me. I got it. Me. Me. Hey, who don't got no pussy? Me. Oh, wait, no, wait, that's not it. Um, it's just 
Like, I get it. These guys really do exist. Okay? I understand it. But there's such a small minority of the people that fucking exist that we don't need to keep pushing this fucking stereotype. And there's another stereotype that happens later in the movie that, of course, you kind of laugh about because you're like, yeah, that's where all those guys are, too. And it's true that not a lot of those guys are that way either. They just, some people just put up a front for everything. You know, some people just like to fucking play games and aren't about this hacking bullshit. But the live thing or the video thing, it really just hammers things home. And then, of course, you know, Sam, she, she's an interesting character. And it's funny because the way that she's played reminds me of Zendaya from the fucking Spider-Man. Like, this has so many things that remind me of Spider-Man that like the current day spider-man but you know dax is no fucking peter parker in this movie it's just that it's it's not her look okay even though that has i think a little bit to do with it as well but it's just the way the character is this no nonsense like kind of dry with her humor and kind of like i don't want to say like loner type of mary jane that you've got going on here but it's it's just so similar and the fact that you've got ned here you've got krill and they're kind of the same character but ned is written so much better as being like this type of geek and he's shown that he's doing not just like yeah look at me i'm just fucking badass but i get it again that we're doing tropes and this is a big horror trope we haven't had like the nerd that we had in the 80s that was in the horror movies that would always fucking get killed you know because of whatever happens in the film and then of course we're gonna have the quote-unquote like beauty queen type of person in ashley that we're just about to meet in a second who's an aspiring actress right and she's going to be the the big, I guess, the hot girl. Like, if we're going with Scooby-Doo here, here's your fucking Daphne. Meanwhile, Sam over here is kind of your Velma, but not really, okay? And then I have no idea where Scooby-Doo is even going to show up in this fucking movie and whose mask are they going to pull off, but I guess we're going to have to figure that out as things move along in the movie. So, of course, they convince him to call Ashley because she's going to be there because the film she's going to be in is going to have a panel and for some reason even though when we find out what her role is in the movie how the hell is she going to do it and i love the jokes okay those are really fucking funny i don't care who you are the fact that she thinks black christmas was a tyler perry movie when you already had i think at this time boo 2 <laughs> the second fucking medea halloween movie but no black christmas is the one that you choose from 28 days later is a menstrual cycle movie that's fucking hilarious at the same time so it's weird because things are written in a way where they're like the stereotypes are there and I understand why they're doing it. Maybe we're supposed to laugh at this stuff, but sometimes they just fucking annoy me and maybe I shouldn't just be annoyed by fucking movies, but that's the way this rolls. And then there's just these good nuggets of humor throughout this movie that some of them just kind of pass you by a little bit. And some of them are really based on those tropes and what happens with those tropes. And, it worries me as I'm watching this movie. Are they going to be able to keep certain things up? Yeah, is this a little cringy? But it's cringe mixed with a good set of like humorful jokes, if that's even a fucking word. So they do convince him to call Ashley and to basically beg for the ticket. 
but he doesn't want to like quite beg right away. Dex. Hey, Ashley. Long time no nothing. I just wanted to congratulate you on your new movie, uh, uh, Hell Hell's Nest. Looks like it's gonna be awesome. So you're a, you're a, you're a, you're a character in it, right? You're a, oh god, what 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 are you what are you playing again? Topless girl number four. Topless girl number four. That's it. It's a key role. It's no topless girl number three. I kill for topless girl number three. Well, you're in a movie. That's awesome. You're making your dreams come true. Uh, if you need a, a ride to uh, to Bloodfest, you're more than welcome to. Uh... Uh, I'm actually here already. You know, to emotionally prepare for the fans. Trying to find a way in. They have more barbed wire here than an S and M summer camp. Listen, uh, Ashley, the the reason I'm calling. It's taking him so long. Why don't you just ask her? I've known Dax a long time. He survived some hard stuff. He's got his pride. Dax is not going to cower. Just please, so Ashley, just just get me through the door. I'm I'm literally on my knees begging you. Look, that's me begging. Did you get it? Scratch that. He's cookie dough. <laughs> so. He gets on his knees, and I love that he goes and he takes a picture of himself, and he's just like, here, look, I'm on my knees, and he snaps the shot, and then, of course, she's going to help him get the, you know, the pass into Bloodfest so that he can enjoy with his friends. I also like the fact that she, in this movie, is playing topless girl number four, but it's no topless girl number three, but yet... Wouldn't topless girl number one and number two be even bigger roles? Why are you only reaching for number three? Does number three have more lines? Like, is the only thing that you're going to say is, <laughs> I have boobs. And meanwhile, topless girl is number three is like, yeah, get this motherfucker. Eat these nipples. You know, what? what is her lines? Like, how are they better than topless girl number two and number one? Like, a strive for something more, goddammit. Be the lead topless girl in this horror movie so that way we can see your... I mean, so that you could advance your... I mean, so that, you know, you can be famous one of these days for more. Or, you know, maybe not go for topless girl whatever. Maybe just be girl number three or girl number four but you know girl number four just stands in the background at least topless girl number four she gets to be seen right in front of the camera because you know horror movies and boobs that's just what goes together so now that he's gonna go they decide to start the road trip to Bloodfest for the night. He's now going against his father's wishes for being, you know, even at this festival. And that's where, as they're driving, Sam tries to get some information from the guys. Normally, I don't like to play something that's so short, but I like the quote that happens in here. So she's going to ask this question of why does horror have all of these rules? Why all the rules? Freddy only kills in dreams. Virgins survive. Michael won't just build a dirty bomb and kill them all. There's rules. He's gotta have rules, otherwise death would be random, just chaotic and meaningless. That's life. If movies were life, no one would buy a ticket. And that's totally true, right? Whenever we come to a horror movie... Like, we expect things, and I'm expecting it out of this movie, too. I'm They're setting up these characters. They're putting in these tropes in this movie, right? We have the nerd, and, and who happens to also be a virgin, but I think that Dax is as well. At least that's what they kind of, like, give you a little hinting to later on in the movie. And, you know, 
he's the horror nerd while krill over here is like the computer nerd but still loves the horror stuff as well they're both kind of on the same footing but supposedly dax is the one that knows more but it's it really is true this statement that she makes like why not just like nuke the place why you know does, does the virgin have to survive you know why is there always some type of like tragic backstory that makes the killer the killer and it's because we need to have something to set us in this world, right? We we know that things are going to happen. They're going to follow certain things. But it's about how they get to that point. And some of the best horror, like, totally, you know, hides that, like, tropiness really well. But when you look in the deep, down, dark, dank places of that horror heart that you've got there, it is basic, right? It, you have a survivor. You have a killer and you have how they get to that place and how they kill all the people with like basic horror. But, and it's not always that too, right? Sometimes it's like psychological or spiritual or whatever it might be. But there are always to the big franchises, the ones that hit the top that are super popular, they always follow some sort of rule. And that's what really drives us in. It's why we love these movies, why we love Jason, why we love Freddy, why we love Michael Myers, why we love Chucky, you know, all of these guys, why we love Jennifer Tilly. It's all reasons because of these rules in these movies that make us want to go see it. I've seen creature features. I've seen a ton of them, but why do I keep seeing them? Because I know that it has something interesting in it, and it's going to follow something that I really love. Like, deep down inside, if I really think about it, I know what I want to see in a horror movie. What do I want to see in a creature feature? I want to see some type of a grotesque monster or something at least designed really well. I want to see it kill, and then I want to see the, the survivors beat it. That's what I want to see. That's, that's ultimately what it is. But if I just made a generic movie like just like that, okay, here's your creature, blah, 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 or I made it just nonsensical, I'm probably not going to like it as much. But if I meld it in a way that is new and interesting but still following the same old rules, I'm probably going to really enjoy it. And that's just what horror kind of is. So I, I really do like the statement that we got on, you know, from Sam here. So they finally roll up to the gate and when they get inside, they, they get to the front of the line and, you know, Krill gets to go through cause he gets scanned. Sam gets to go through and hits on the guy that's there who, uh, you know, will he come back? I don't know. But then when Dax tries to get up to the front, he's not able to go in until, you know, he sees Ashley with her new boyfriend who happens to be the director of the movie that she's in. And yeah, he's a mega douche. Wristband. I'm actually supposed to be meeting someone here. Dax. Oh, she's right there. Whoa. Oh, it's cool. He's with me. Thanks. You are a lifesaver. This is Lunchman Kane, director of Hell's Nest. He's why you're here. Thanks, baby. Appreciate it. Uh-huh. It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure to help out. Uh, babe, I'm sorry. Why is this fanboy getting in under my name. He's a friend. And besides, he did it for me. Your little pookie, pokey, pookie bear. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Rather. Pookie bear needs a poke? I'm a naughty bear. 
okay. Uh, well, thanks very much for getting me in, Benjamin, and congratulations on the film. Oh, thank you so much. It's, it's, it's shit. It's the shit. <clears throat> it's the shit. I left that, that article. I gotta ask you to leave. I'm messing with you. Oh, okay. I'm messing with you. Yeah, you're gonna love the film. When it comes out, everybody's gonna love it. Right. Ashley's great in it. Really? We need to go. Namaste. Okay. It's awkward. Oh, it's stacked, huh? Because there's a lot of fucking boobs in there? Is that what the joke is supposed to be? Um, well, okay, maybe maybe it is. But, <laughs> yeah, he's just there with his fucking little vape pen, his little fucking small, tiny little thing. Not like one of those fucking steamroller vape pens where you smoke it and then it's like chimney stacks upon chimney stacks of fucking vape smoke goes everywhere you're gonna be your own fucking conductor of your train choo choo motherfucker he smelled my vape it smells like fucking strawberry cheesecake and it's fucking delicious but nonetheless there's ashley she's sleeping with the director that's the reason that she's there right there's this panel going on but i'm pretty sure that on the panel they're not going to talk to topless girl number four right that's a spot specifically reserved for topless girl number three uh and so he's there and, and the festival so far looks packed there are a ton of fucking people here for 700 acres. It's like a fucking, you know, all day festival that you would go to, like a big music festival, almost like a festival that you would see in Europe uh, or some of the ones that have kind of started to pop up around the U.S. They're not exactly the same as the one in Europe, but they're definitely big, right? It, maybe it would be as big as the one that we go to that has about twenty to 30,000 people that show up. So it's huge and if we know what's going to happen to it to kill that many people is pretty fucking crazy if you think about it so there's everything everywhere you know krill manages to get some red balloons like he's in fucking it or something like that and he's like oh yeah this is where i'm gonna get it this is where i'm gonna get laid and then as he's walking through the crowd and there's these girls and it's it's ter- okay, this is going to be the worst thing that I'm probably going to say the entire podcast, and I apologize in advance, but it's just my thoughts because of the names of the characters. See, these are these two girls that pass by him, and like one of them bangs on his balloons and is like, nice balloons, and then she smiles at him, and then he's like, that's the one. And they're labeled as cute girl one and two. Okay, cute girl one, cute girl two but they're not cute. Like, I'm like, if that's, that's, that's the one that's like, part of me thinks she looks like a crack whore, but that's just me. Um, it's, maybe that's terrible to say. It's, it's not true. That's more of a joke. But to me personally, they're both not very attractive or cute. I'm just kind of like, oh, Okay, well, if that's what you're into, it's just like going to anything. And I'm pretty sure that what I deem as cute is not cute to other people as well, you know? In fact, people are probably like, well, I bet you you're a fucking monster. And they'd be right, because really, I'm a crab guy that's just sitting here and talking to you. That's right. I'm crab people. It's nice to meet you. Now you know we exist. And so it's it's not that I'm, like, trying to, like, be like this. It's... It's just that I don't know why they're called Cute Girl 1 and 2. Why can't they just be called, like, Rave Girl 1 and 2? Because they're kind of dressed up like ravers, right? She's there. She's got wings on. And she's got her little short shirt. 
you know, in short shorts. And when I mean short shirt, it's like a tank top that only comes to the top of her boobs, but she doesn't have a whole lot of boobs to begin with. So it's kind of like, and I'm not like boob shaming anybody because boobs are boobs, but it's still like, I, I don't, I don't get it, but I know that's what it called for in the script and that's who they got. So that's fine. Like her friend is like, okay, it, it's, you know what? <laughs> there are people that I would expect at like the gathering of the juggalos, not necessarily a horror convention, but at the same time, maybe they are like the people I'd see at a giant horror festival. And that leads me to like something that happens just a little bit that I have like the giants fucking complaint on in the way that things have done in the movie. And I get it that that's like how they're doing things for these people and how they know how to reach certain people. And maybe those people be the dumbest people that would show up to something like this for what they're doing, but we'll get to that. So they continue on after Krill gets his like, you know, spirits lifted up because a girl was interested in his balloons, his big giant red balloons. You know, I, I guess that might symbolize something. Maybe that the fact that he's so full of, you know, jizz that his regular balls are the size of those balloons and he wants to empty them like it's fucking scary movie. He's just going to be spraying people with his fucking jizz all over the damn place. But nonetheless, as they're walking through the crowd, that's when Dax recognizes the actor that plays the arborist. And I really want to see this movie. Like there's a couple little things. There's like posters and stuff in the background, but this is like the movie that they focus on because the actor that plays him is there, right? This guy, Roger Hinckley, that plays the original Arborist from the film series of The Arborist, where there's supposed to at least five, as they explain later on, or possibly even six. But the background, when they talk about the background story of The Arborist, I'm like, I really do want to see this. Like, this is going to be like a either a great horror movie icon. Like, it reminds me, honestly of like the hatchet movies like if it wasn't hatchet it would be the arborist and i really have to see this it's like in the chippendales rescue ranger movie that just came out and everybody's going crazy because they want to see batman versus et and i feel like that needs to be a movie too and the arborist definitely needs to be a movie like owen edgerton should make the movie the arborist and i would be first in line i would have screenings all over the goddamn place make sure that everybody sees this movie because i have to see this movie because the design of the arborist himself when you finally do see him spoiler alert it's cool i really like it and i wish it were a real fucking thing so he meets the arborist for the first time or runs into him and this is one of those lesson legends that sometimes you don't really want to meet your heroes oh my god the arborist whoa he trimmed the beard dax you gotta go meet him it's the arborist roger hinckley you sir are the scariest man alive hey check it out i got a uh, tattoo oh arbor day between you and me, though, part four is my favorite. All right. Never saw it. Part four? Never saw any of them. You've never seen any of your own films? I don't like scary movies, okay? It's too much gore. The side of blood just makes me want to... I used to puke after every take. What... Would it be too much to ask if you'd possibly do the Arborist catchphrase for me? Yeah. 
It would be. Hey, <clears throat> uh, big fan. I actually disemboweled you in a modded version of Mortal Kombat the other day. Cool. Um, dude, let's go. The kickoff party's about to start. This guy's a fucking dick, okay? All you have to do, like, I get it. You're there. Why are you even there? If you don't like your own movies and you don't like this stuff, you know why? Because you still want to be known, right? That's what I feel about this character. Like, the the director guy is a dick because he's just so full of himself. Like, oh, it's going to be the best movie ever. Look at me. I'm a fucking director and I'm the shit. Even though your movie is probably, like Dak says, it's probably shit. And even Krill thought that, man, that movie is going to be so bad whenever it comes out. But here... You want this for the fame. Like, hey, I'm making a living off of still being this guy, but I'm here. Like, you're just randomly in the crowd, just walking around. You're supposed to be here to be signing autographs or doing whatever you need to do to make a little bit of extra money because you really haven't done anything since Arborist 4. I also like the fact that Sam's like, oh, he shaved the beard. But when you look at him in the pictures of the Arborist, like, it looks so young. And here, he's definitely an old dude. Are you going to keep the arborist beard for fucking forever? Eventually. And what if it wasn't even a real beard? What if it was just some type of tacked on fake shit? Like you didn't really have the time to grow it out to that and to get it groomed absolutely perfectly to look like the flat top of top of Guile's fucking head. You know, it's, it's one of those things. And there's no reason like. The thing is, like, you know, I'm absolutely fucking nobody. There's a lot of people who know who I am that listen to the podcast, enjoy this shit, but I am no fucking one, okay? If I were to be famous, like, if you look at, and, and you know, whatever people think about whomever I'm going to say next, it's just one of those things. But the the nicest person that I've ever heard about in this world is Keanu Reeves, Okay. Like, I've heard a lot of, and even Robin Williams was one of these men, too, where people walk up to them totally out of, you know, out of the blue, just see them and want to talk to them. Some people are fucking dicks. Some people are this guy that's just like, yeah, whatever. And the other people are just like, you know, they respect it. They may say something like, yeah, I'm with my family or, yeah, I'm here doing this. But a lot of people just like, you know, they realize what impact these people have on their lives and they're just kind of cool with it. Like, they don't necessarily need to stay around all the whole time. They may try to make the conversation quick. They may allow for a quick photo as long as the person on the other end isn't being a fucking dick either or some weirdo that they need to fucking escape from because I'm pretty sure that there's a lot of people out there that just, you know, will run away. But I'd like to be, if, if you know, if I were ever known like this guy, I would want to be a Keanu Reeves. I'd be like, if I made a big impact on you and whatever I said and whatever things, or, you know, I'm some comedian that's out there running around, I would be totally stoked. Another guy that kind of seems like this is that guy, Dan Cummins. If you ever listened to that guy before, like listening to him talk, he just seems like a regular guy. And it seems like he'd be one of those people that if you just talk to him for five fucking seconds, that he wouldn't brush you off, of course, unless you're being a weirdo, you know. But it's one of those things that if you have these fans and you did something from a long time ago, you know, you just talk to them and be like, yeah, okay, I've run to these people for a lot. And maybe it changes for some people as they get older, 
right? You're just kind of like, yeah, this is, you know, maybe I don't do these things anymore. And it's cool to see that so many people are still so enamored by the stuff I did in the past that, yeah, I'm finally just going to fucking accept it rather than just being like, no, fuck you. I ain't doing shit. But then you have Roger here being a fucking asshole. Like, he's just a young kid. He really liked your movies. Just fucking let him get a picture. Let him do whatever. I get it. With the catchphrase thing, you know, I don't want to go around saying Mamma Mia or whatever the fuck I have to do to do these things. You know, I'm pretty sure if anybody asked me for a fucking catchphrase, it'd be like me saying fuck or something like that. Because I seem to say that word quite a bit whenever I do these damn podcasts. So, you know, for, for whatever it is that you could say it once, but you'd be like, you know, I don't really do that. You know, I get it. You're a big fan, but I'm trying to go outside of that, trying to do something more. Or he'd just be like, yeah, okay, I'll save my goddamn catchphrase just once for you. And he's not like he's being approached by a bunch of other people. He's being surrounded. He basically got his biggest fan at this place. The only person that recognized that he was the fucking arborist and you're still going to shoot the kid down. So, now that he's disillusioned by this fucking guy, they go to the main stage, and that's where we get Owen Edgerton in his like big scene-stealing role of the whole movie as we get invited and introduced to Bloodfest itself. cinematic scarescapes from summer camps to asylums to circuses clowns not the clowns every monster or maniac to ever spill blood on the silver screen has been granted a portion of these grounds and it's all for you i want this man to adopt me the children children we have a problem horror is dead. I mean, look around you. Our vampires glitter. Our zombies have become soap opera stars. Our slashers have grown dull and old. We put Freddy on a lunchbox. We put Lovecraft in a coloring book. We have overconsumed and overproduced, and we have taken what was forbidden what was dangerous, and we have made it common. Want to make movies scary again? Want to do it tonight? Want to make a horror movie to end all horror movies? Okay, so this is where I have some major issues with the way that this is done, right? And I'm pretty sure that there are people out there that think exactly the way that he's speaking, right? That horror movies are just not scary anymore. That horror movies just aren't edgy enough and they're just 
oh my god, we've got twinkling vampires and we got this, but those aren't fucking horror movies, okay? Those are people that may have grown up on horror or like certain things, but certain types of things have always been romanticized. I get it, zombies, maybe not, but there are, you know, zombie rom-coms or whatever you want to call them. Uh, and, and there's a bunch of other things, you know, he's definitely digging at twilight in this whole thing, but like vampires themselves have always been more romanticized from Dracula, from the original fucking Dracula. Like even back in the day, when, when you're talking about these things, I'm talking about the original with Bell Lugosi. He was a suave guy. You know, a lot of people were attracted to Bell Lugosi as fucking Dracula way 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 back in the day even in the books you know he was a tragic victim for for what he did and why he was you know even though he was evil you still felt for him and yeah maybe our vampires in one fucking book series in one fucking film series fucking sparkled you know there's a my little pony of fucking vampires going over here twilight sparkle bloodsucker but you you still have plenty of good like horror movies there's there's plenty of stuff out there that is grotesque that is extreme that is extremely frightening they exist to just believe that horror needs to go back into the fucking 80s with the icons of horror no it doesn't it wasn't there. Like, what made these guys so iconic in general, right? You know, you could still say that there are iconic horror movies nowadays. And, and even Dax, you know, he mentions Get Out when he talks about a couple of different horror movies when we start getting to more of what, like, the rules and shit that need to go on. But it's absolutely insane to me that people would be just like, yeah, we need to get back to that. And honestly, part of me says like the eighties were pinnacle of horror, right? And why were they the pinnacle of horror? Because more of the, the blood and guts type stuff started happening around then. It's not to say that they weren't before. I mean, hammer for the longest time was like the pinnacle of horror, but then the eighties kind of came around because they tried doing all these crazy things. There's all different types of horror movies in the eighties. And it was like a big genre thing that, that happened. It's not to say that horror movies never existed, that people didn't like them. And there aren't a lot of them that are like the same, that they keep doing these like direct to VOD or DVD or VHS type movies. But there just seems like there were so many more during that time frame that were just batshit crazy. And again, I think it's just nostalgia kind of coming at us and biting us in the ass once again. And nostalgia is a hell of a drug. Fuck cocaine. It's nostalgia. And this happens every fucking generation. It doesn't matter what it is, right? And there's times where, you know, people at my age will be like, oh, these kids nowadays and the shit they do. And I've done that to myself before, but I have to also step back and be like, but there's still good things here. It's like people and their music where they start talking about how today's music is just shitty. It's just not what you enjoyed, right? And it's not to say that it's bad. You know, it's not saying that I fucking love Twilight and I'm going to defend that fucking, you know, <laughs> fanfic piece of shit. But 
that's what it is, right? And I, I'm okay with somebody else really enjoying those things. They can. And okay, because it doesn't sparkle for me. And oh my god, I'm not going to watch this because of that. I'm not going to watch it because I have no interest in it. Not because it sparkles, right? And, and that's where I guess you're going to get a bunch of people that are going to be here <laughs> that are going to fucking die. <laughs> because you've drawn them to this. And again, there are going to be people in this crowd that like the spike, sparkly vampire bullshit. You know, Jonathan over there, he's like, but but I thought it was a really good love story. And it's okay if he sparkles. Edward is my main man. You can't do this to me. Just because Just because I like sparkly vampires doesn't mean that I need to be a part of this bullshit. What the fuck is wrong with you, Jonathan? Don't cry over a fucking book, okay? Be like Beth over here and fucking be Team Jacob. Love your fucking werewolves. Fuck those vampires. But nonetheless, <laughs> I digress. So you, you have them all here. They're all gathered around the stage and they're all like now gazing over at Red, who is this masked serial killer who is wearing a mask very similar, if not the same as the killer in the beginning of the movie. And she's got this giant knife that she's just holding out there. And let's take a little bit of time to meet good old Red. Let me introduce you to your new favorite nightmare. Your dark id, your boner for blood. And if you come up on stage, he will kill you. Any volunteers? Uh, should I? You two girls, come on up. Oh Wonderful. Give him a round of applause. Oh my God, oh my God. It's your soulmate. Yeah. Don't be shy! You look beautiful! Ladies, meet Red! Oh. Now, he does say, say something else before I start getting into all the mayhem that's going on here. And he tells everybody as they're all fucking dying, remember that if you follow the rules, you might just survive. And they there's a bunch of these like people with pig masks that are in front of the stage that start revving up the fucking chainsaws. And it's funny with the crowd because they're like, oh, my God, what just happened on stage was fucking awesome. And if you thought that they were a part of it, and he literally tells these people, if you come on stage, he's going to fucking kill you, right? And what does the Red do but slashes one of the cute girls in the throat, which happened to be the two girl, cute girls we saw before, and then 
totally like slashes the other one through the fucking gut with her blood all coming out and she falls down over dead the other one falls backwards over dead with her neck fucking gashed out and he's you know she's got this like now knife on a chain that that he's gonna start throwing at people in the crowd gets one in the back of the fucking head which is fucking awesome as he's trying to run away and then as they're looking at the chainsaws one of the guys like oh is this is this real this can't be real and then the pig person takes the chainsaw and slices them fucking in half in one of the coolest effects i've seen in a while for a practical fucking effect the practical effects when they happen in this movie are fucking cool, and I absolutely love them. Oh my god. Is this chainsaw... Yeah, it's it's a little cheesy because you can kind of see where it kind of spread, starts spreading before the chainsaw actually hits. But I was just expecting, right? I was expecting this movie just to be silly and funny and have a couple of, like, kind of gory things. Nothing really super... But holy shit! Some of the things that happen in this movie are batshit fucking crazy, and this is the first one. Like, we see the two get slashed on the stage, and I'm just kind of like, okay, they got slashed really fast, but then they show the wounds, and the wounds look pretty good for what they are. And I was like, okay, well, uh, all right, so they're really going in on the horror on this thing and the gore. And then, all of a sudden, here comes the chainsaw bullshit, and the guy gets sawed, and it's not like being sawed like in half at like the stomach and stuff like that no it's coming from the top of the head all the way down to basically the waist splitting them in half like vertically it's fucking cool like almost like it's the mouth from the thing opening up and it's gonna be fucking chomping and like on somebody but here it's just down the middle slice spread apart blood spraying everywhere and that's where krill sam and dax they realize they need to get the fuck out of here as well as we see you know roger over here he looks and he's like oh oh this is not good and he runs away so they're running away from all the different monsters uh that are just slaughtering people in the crowd You've got this one lady, she's got her selfie stick, and she's, like, doing, like, her vlog-type video. Oh, my God, I can't believe they're all coming after me. I can't believe this stuff. This is madness. And then the chainsaw guy comes in. He's like, no selfie sticks. And then saws her arm, and the camera goes flying. It's fucking cool, man. I, I can't believe, like, I was really at this point, I'm like, I'm sold on this movie. Like, so far, it's been okay. It's been kind of silly, funny. It had the little scene, you know, where the heartbreak scene that you've got going on there. It's got the father, you know, that is just fucking flash dance, that type of shit. And I'm like, okay, this is, you know, it's it's fine for what it is. But then you get into this, and you're like, holy shit. I can't believe that they went this far in this movie and it's great to see practical effects. And this movie's from 2018. So, you know, even at that time, if you want to save on budget, you just do still stuff like CGI, you know, you do these little things and they don't look right. But the fact that there's practical, it just makes my heart fucking sing. And it really is. I think that kind of 
what you get out of the lines from you know our big conductor and he's dressed up almost like he's a fucking ringmaster right he's got the top hat on he's got the sequin type of like clothes he's got the cane with the skull on top of it you know he is the ringmaster of his masterpiece movie that he's going to make and this is going to be real because he's basically making a snuff film and Who's going to distribute a snuff film, right? What are you going to say? Oh, no, no, no. Don't worry. Don't worry. This is all fake. I, I totally agree. You know, it looks really real. But like Cannibal Holocaust, th this is all just, you know, ketchup packets. We just got a lot of ketchup. Make sure to get Heinz because if you want to get blood spatter right, you use Heinz ketchup. And so <laughs> this podcast really needs to be sponsored by Heinz. But nonetheless, it's just, it's interesting and pretty cool to see in the way that it works i i was very very happy with it uh and, and the fact that now uh we've got a gory fucking film to enjoy for the rest of the movie it isn't just going to be some pg-13 and maybe that's where i'm kind of like those people with the i hate like sparkly vampires where i think most horror should probably just be rated r even though they're really like the getting to the level of violence in PG 13 movies where they're going to start making some of the stuff that you see in our movies available for PG 13 because fuck the kids. Right. So they all run, they eventually get into such, like a little warehouse type space and they do a cool little like tropey thing here that I really enjoyed that they're stuck in there and they hear some noise and you know, Krill, he's like, dude, don't go after that. Don't try to open up that fucking door because you know what's going to happen. There's nothing that's going to be there and then something's going to pop up right behind us. And Sam and Dax totally like ignore him, but Sam actually has a weapon. Meanwhile, Dax has grabbed a poster, like a rolled up poster. What the fuck is that going to do? What are you going to do? Give a fucking werewolf a like a, a paper cut? And you're just gonna be like, ha ha, like start doing Zorro shit over here. Duh, 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 there. What's the D for? It's for Dex, you dumbass. Ha ha ha. Like <laughs> getting in those types of things. So they're going up to the door. Of course, the door opens and then a mop falls down. He's like, see, I told you that bullshit. And that's when Ashley and her douchebag director boyfriend walking through the door. And, you know, basically. They're stuck in this place with the douchebag director as things are getting worse. No signal. How fucking cliche is that? Oh my god, 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 oh my god. And my vape's dead. Oh my god. Perfect night. Okay, let's calm down and let's think. There's gotta be another way out of here. The gate is locked and the fence is electric. There's pigs with chainsaws. We're dead! Do you think the back gate is locked too? What back gate? Well, I got here early and the doors were still shut. And there was this yellow warehouse thing with a back door. It was sealed shut, but some guy gave me this and it opened right up. It's not going to open now. The whole place is locked down. Hey, this is a crypto processor. We use this on Doomlarp. Doomlarp? Jesus. Geek. Fuck. I can hack this. If you get me to the back gate, I'll get it open. We can do this. Sorry. It's on the other side of the grounds, near the circus stuff. My God, fucking clown town. Are you fucking serious? All right, so we are by the main entrance. Clown town is here. Yeah, we just gotta move quick. Stay quiet. 
You have flashlights? I always have flashlights. So you want to hike through 700 acres of nightmare filled with those pig fuck butchers and any other freak that Walsh has cooked up for the slim chance that Mr. Robot here can hack open a back door. You, you got any other plans? Uh, you turds go and get help. Me and Ashley are staying here where it's safe. What? No, we can't do that. Not a bad idea. Walsh said follow the rules. What rules? Dude, rule, rules of the genre, rules of the subgenres, the tropes, the principles. Rule number one is, is don't split up, dude. You, you seen a film before? I don't see movies. I make them. Babe, I got a signal. 911, what's your emergency? Uh, yeah, I'm at Bloodfest. We're trapped on the festival grounds, and people are being slaughtered. I need immediate assistance for two people. We have your location. Someone is on the way. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm, my name is Lenjamin Kane. I'm a film director. I'm not a celebrity. And I'm with an up-and-coming actress. So coming actress. I'm with a coming actress, so if that will speed things up at all, that would be great. What was that? If you are able and so inclined, put your penis between your legs and into your anus. Then proceed to fuck yourself. And how would that help us? No one's coming. Oh, don't worry. Someone should be there any I love that. That that's so fucking great. That line. If you're so inclined, take your penis, put it between your legs and into your anus, then fuck yourself. <laughs> It is absolutely fantastic. Uh, yeah, so they basically are trying to figure out a way to get out of there, right? And Ashley actually knows how to get out of there. And it's a warehouse that's at the very end of the fucking place, right? This giant 700-acre farm that they've got out in the middle of nowhere that's going to allow them to escape. Now, I also love because they roll out the map and you only get to see a couple of the places and there was a little bit more in the beginning of the film, but I love like the lands that they have here. Like you've got Living Dead Land, you got Vamp Camp, which I, I don't know. what. Why do we need a camp for vampires? Do they also like canoeing and whittling wood? But who knows? Maybe they do. Maybe, you know, you got to do something to sharpen those teeth. So it's time to make a bunch of fucking like raccoons or some shit from pieces of lumber. Uh, and then you've got Hottertown High School, which is based on the Arborist and the Arbor Day films. Tortureville, Clown Town, Motel Madre, The Asylum, and The Tower. Those are all of them. And then, of course, Hottertown High School is based off of, named after cane hotter like they they really try to do a lot of these like there's a lot of like little throwbacks to other movies here there's a death that is definitely inspired or recreated from night of the living dead too which is really fucking cool so you you have them here they're now trying to figure out the way out and of course the director guy is just like uh I can't believe I'm stuck with these horror geeks and the fact that Ned's like, cause he sees the past and it's, these are the type of things that really drive me fucking crazy when they do them in movies. Like he looks at the past and he automatically knows that, Oh, this is, this is type of thing because we use these things over here. And he's just like, oh, fucking geeks. Like, come on, dude, if he can figure out a way to get out of there and you don't want him to fucking make the trek and you're just like, Oh, I don't want to go that way and possibly save my life. Why don't we just stay here and just not do anything? And great. 
my vape is out. Could this day get any worse? Yeah, it could. You could be fucking killed, okay? Some fucking random thing from Motel Madre over here is going to come out. Probably La Llorona is going to come out and fucking cry in your face and then rip out your fucking dick and shove it in your fucking ass. Actually, that would be too good for you. She should just rip your fucking dick off and then shove it in your eye. That would be better for you, honestly. But it's just, you know, it's a character. I like it when they put characters like this in types of movies that are like so overacted that you just hate them so much and you're just happy when they finally kick the bucket, right? You're just overcome with joy when they finally take that dick in the eye. But nonetheless, uh, so he's got the, you know, they've got the key card now and he knows how to get out of there. Krill can get them out of this place. So they decide that they're going to go ahead and, you know, leave the camp well, wherever they are inside this room to make their way to the warehouse. Meanwhile, we go into the tower, and that's where we see that there's this girl, Amy, that is at the controls, and she's pretending to be 911 for anybody who calls in, just like she did for the douchebag director over here. And we get a little more reason to the madness of why exactly, you know, Mr. Walsh is doing this type of movie and is scaring and killing the shit out of everybody in this festival. Well, that was a pleasant start. Billy, I want you to double check the outer fences, get the voltage up to 700 plus. Amy, let's talk clowns out. I want to see those freaks all riled up. They're riled up, sir. Okay, make sure you catch any call that tries to get out, but on a few of them, play it cool. I at least want some people to think that help is on the way. Why? I mean, doesn't it seem kind of cruel just to give people a false sense of hope. What if I told you that you were going to die tonight, no matter what you did? What would you feel? Despair. <laughs> Despair. Now, what if I told you you had a chance, but only, only if you made all the right calls, only if you took all the right steps, only if you dug down deep inside your soul and you found some hidden strength you never even knew you had. What would you feel then? Motivated. <sighs> Motivation. It's what every character needs. Okay, so he's totally thinking like a director here, right? You got to keep your cast motivated in order to get the best action out of them. And here we've got them going through this whole situation of like, he's like, why just like, why just tell them that they're going to die? Why not give them, why, why do you have to do this? Give them this sliver of hope. And he's just like, are you fucking stupid? <laughs> that's basically what the line was to whoever this guy is. The guy that's like the editor that's putting all the pieces of the film together. And I, again, I love the choice of music. Like this has a whole like cabin in the woods type of feel to it, right? Where you've got the people that are running for their lives and the horror that's going on there and the little tension filled scenes as they're going from place to place, even though right now it really is intention. It really is just fucking mayhem with everybody fucking dying out there. And there's plenty of like little comedic things that are thrown in there. So we still have like the comedy horror of things that's going on. And Meanwhile, when we go back over to Anthony Walsh over here, it's like almost like it's Frank Sinatra starts spreading the news. 
news I'm killing today. I'm going to hack a part of it. Your leg today. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's just like fun and entertaining. And I love this choice. I, I mean, Cabin in the Woods is one of my favorite horror movies uh, of all time. And I love that they're borrowing these type of things that not everything has to be just about like them surviving that we get to see all this cool little background stuff and we get to see him just enjoying his work right he's a madman thinking that this is going to create the greatest horror movie that's ever fucking lived by slaughtering thousands of fucking people and i mean thousands that place is fucking packed it's not hundreds of people this it really looks like a big fucking music festival and he's managing to kill all these people without anybody supposedly they're never gonna know what happened to these people and what happened here well they're probably gonna figure out that they're fucking dead but it's like how do you hide this whole situation and i guess we might figure that out as we get towards the end of the movie so now we're back with our ragtag group of heroes. We've got Dax, Sam, Krill, Ashley, and director Douchebag with them. And now they've entered into living deadland. Okay, that's enough. Uh, and so they're walking around, and that's when the director basically tells Ashley, Hey, you should give me the little lanyard on your neck, the little staff thing, and I'll hold on to it because I'm the right guy that should have it. And I don't trust any of these guys because they're looking at the map all weird and they can't figure out exactly where the, they need to go. And he's got the right thing. And that's where he unfortunately creates the cardinal rule of a lot of horror movies where he disturbs the dead. I'm telling you, there are rules you have to follow. Like, don't chant anything in Latin. Don't get naked. Never be alone with the doll. Those kinds of things. These rules are ridiculous. Ash, 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 ash. Let me see that badge. Yeah, I think I should hold on to this. Why? Because I don't trust the monster squad to get us out of here alive. Are we going backwards? Upside down. Do you trust me? Baby. No, you're an actress. All right, let's keep moving. Whoa, uh, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. Maybe we should double back and find a different route. Double back? This is a straight shot. Oh, wait. You don't think we're gonna wake the dead, you know? Like get attacked by zombies? Maybe. Are you serious? You're right. We should be really respectful. Excuse me, sir or madame, I'm so sorry to tread on your forever resting place. Ah! <laughs> Those are props. This is not a real graveyard, okay? Do you honestly think that Walsh wouldn't spring for real tombstones, but went ahead and got a boatload of corpses from God knows where you get corpses, and then he figured out a way to animate them. And then he buried them here in the hopes that we would come tromping through and make a little too much noise, wake the dead, and get attacked by zombies. Well, there's no such thing as zombies. What? It's just, that's usually when, when something happens to you. Like what? Like getting your dick fucking grabbed by the end, dead asshole. A hand reaches up, and this is in the trailer too. 
I wish this was something that wasn't shown. Like they may have just done the line and then cut away real fast just to hear him screaming. Cause I would have loved to have been surprised by this, but the fact that the zombie hand comes up and, and this is just something that you don't, there's two things that you don't do to a dick that happened in this fucking movie. And this is number one, you don't grab and then squeeze and turn and pull him down to the ground to become another undead fucking slave. It's just another one of those things that I have to add to the fucking list. One of these days, I'm going to have to put that list fully together and publish it somewhere of things you just don't do to a fucking dick. So he gets grabbed, pulled down, and lo and behold, he has the fucking key card, but nobody notices it just hanging on his neck. The only person that knows it's there is fucking Ashley, and she says shit. But meanwhile, he's standing there. It's around his neck. You can clearly fucking see it. It's not like he put it down his shirt. He just put it outside like he's, you know, at a fucking festival. And this is his VIP badge. He starts showing everywhere. He's fucking Wayne and shit. And he's going, hey, VIP, VIP, look, VIP, 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 VIP. Like, (laughs) you can see it as clear as day. And nobody tries to go after it. Instead, they start running away from the zombies and eventually find a random cabin in the woods where they try to get in, but it's being blocked. And who is it being blocked by? Well, it's being blocked by our other asshole, you know, Roger Hinckley over here, the original arborist, and he is not letting him in because he thinks that they, they're going to bring something evil on over him. But eventually he does open the door and let them in, and that's where you know they try to figure out what's going on. I was, uh, I was trying to open the lock. The lock was kind of tricky. He's gone. He's gone, and he was going to direct a rom-com. I was going to be the rom. Dax, what do we do? How should I know? Huh? We're probably all dead. We're not just dying or sleep dead, which is bad enough, but being eaten alive by zombies, screaming, waiting for it all to end dead. Hey, <laughs> okay, can I have a minute? You're okay. That is not helping. Okay, we need to come up with a plan. I don't know what to do. I don't know shit. Dax, all you know is shit. But that shit is of particular value right now. We've got a dozen horror movies between us and actually surviving this mess. Walsh is using every trope in the book. Jesus, if I was a virgin, I'd probably have a fighting chance. You're not a virgin. The point is that no one knows these movies better than you. So we need you to pull it together and help us get out of here. Okay, okay, uh, all right. Let's think here. Okay, uh, so what are we dealing with here? Huh? Nothing outside was, was, was running, right? No Snyders, no Boils. Okay, we know how to kill him. How? Oh, shit. shit. If this goes all evil, then I'm gonna pop And there's the Evil Dead reference, even though he directly said it. Like, if you just looked at the inside of the house, you could see the way that it's kind of set up. You could see that there's a floor, like, basement type of thing that once you start hearing the thumping, it starts popping up just a little bit. I'm waiting to see if there's a fucking deer head on the wall that's going to start laughing at everybody. But yeah, there's your complete reference to everything that's, that's going on there. Even though, like I said... Krill does, and he does say a good line too. I like it. If this goes all evil dead, I'm going to fucking pop. 
and he backs up against the wall, and that's where some hands break through the wall and start to grab him and start to try to pull him through the wall. Then a zombie busts up from the bottom of the floor, and Dax ends up fighting them off by hitting them in the head with, uh, you know, whatever he's holding. I think it was either the flashlight or he grabs something off the table, and he just knocks it, and he ends up killing the evil dead guy. They look at him, and they find out that they've actually got a bunch of electrodes on him, and the electrodes are what are actually controlling everything that's going on. And we see that in another little scene that there's a bunch of gamers in a room that are playing this like a video game. They think that they're controlling the fucking zombies. Is like, oh, and the guy even says it too. He's like, oh, these real world graphics look like shit. Like, no, if you were to actually make a game that looked like that, it's not like it's a fucking Sega CD game where it's got a little small picture in the picture of the full motion video that you have to play, you know, shooting random zombies in the head that are always you just have one little light piece. And if it happens to go, it just plays the next fucking video. But here it's there is a controller outside, which just happens to be really close to the fucking camp. Like it's right over there. It's right there. Why is it so goddamn close? Why isn't it put like underground or some shit? How many days did you have to prepare for this fucking place that you couldn't like fail safe any of the technology that you're going to be using in this film? Instead, maybe he's trying to make it as low budget as possible. Like, hey, the technology to make the dead rise back from, you know, the ground is pretty goddamn expensive. So I don't have the time nor the funds to hire a bunch of people to put all the stuff underground to make sure that it all gets saved so sam and dax they decide to go out there and try to destroy that thing while fighting off some of the dead that are out there leaving krill roger and ashley to all fight against the dead that are coming in the house that are starting to attack him it's actually a pretty well done scene. It's silly in ways, especially how Krill has to fight back against the dead and how Roger is still so freaked out with all the blood and the gore and everything that's going on there and Ashley just being the damsel in distress, right, for the, the whole group. And eventually, you know, Dax opens up the box, looks at all the wires. He's like, I don't know which one to cut. And Sam just looks at him. It's not a fucking bomb. And that was my thought too. I'm like, why are you trying to cut a wire? Just like fucking pull the wires, which eventually he does, which just disconnects the two couplings from each other. It's not like they're just wires and he pulls all the wires and is completely destroyed. No, somebody could just go out there, reconnect the two things, and then the zombies are back to fucking life. But, you know, zombies aren't that smart. And the moment that they disconnect it all, all the zombies go down and they're safe from zombie land for the time being. From here, we go back into the tower and Walsh notices that all the zombies are dead. And luckily, he has a handyman that's going to be able to go out there and make sure that they all go back online. And that's when we have the editor trying to understand, like, why exactly is he doing all this and how was he able to do all of this? Billy, I'm going to need you to fix that zombie transmitter. Why well, added that a few extra dead? God knows we have the corpses. Sir, may I remind you your partner didn't authorize any repairs after the first death? Yes, but he's not here right now. And I am. And I'm trying to make a movie! Huh? Cultists! Go wide! Go wide on the cultists! Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, smash cut to the Yeti. 
Oh, good. You see how you juxtapose the two and you tell a story? Oh, my God! He is eating her face! Oh! Oh, my God! That is deliciously disgusting. Oh! How do you do all this? Like, how do you get all these participants? Oh, took a lot of work. Years of it. I found some scary people. And the homicidal maniacs? You take a clinically damaged mind. You force him to watch one movie continuously. Eventually, the movie mythos becomes the man's mythos. Eventually, the movie world becomes the man's world. You tell him he's Leatherface? He's Leatherface. The clowns I found on Craigslist. Okay, so basically he clockwork oranged this shit with a lot of these people, right? And now we also have learned of this benefactor that's allowing him to do all of this. And I'm pretty sure that at some point in the movie we're going to you know, figure out who this is and this person is actually going to show up because there's got to be a reason why all of this is happening besides just the movie being filmed. At this point, you can kind of guess who that person might be, right? I figured it out pretty early on, but that's kind of like the twist of the movie. I guess that's the two things that you got to figure out, right? Are we ever going to figure out who Red is, the masked person that was introduced, who we haven't seen at all and probably won't see till towards the end of the movie, the way that everything's going? And normally I'd be kind of upset about that because they made such a big deal. Like that one like evil character got an introduction and start killing a bunch of people. And then all of a sudden we're just exploring the lands. And that's probably why I give it a pass. But normally if that was like the big thing, and then all of a sudden we never saw the person again until the end of the movie while they're just kind of running around and trying to escape, then I'd be like, Oh, well, this is a waste of a character. And it still kind of is right. But there is meaning behind that character as well. And I guess how it wraps up. I got so engrossed with you know them traveling through the different lands and seeing the different type of creatures that they're going to run into that i totally forgot that red was a thing until later on in the movie right if that's supposed to be the your big bad of the, the the whole film then that character should be seen more than just at that one scene and then towards the end of the movie so you know and also i i love the whole thing of you know the, the editor is there and he's just like like, how how can you do this? Like, how are you able to do this? And he's just like, oh, it's it's fun. This is just the way everything works. Oh, and then the clowns, I got off Craigslist. And so, yeah, we're probably going to see some clowns later on in the movie. So now we go back and we see the group minus the douchebag director. But now they've picked up Roger because he asked them and he asked them nicely. Can I please go along with you? Because whoever's left behind they're most likely to die, at least in my films. And that's when Dax realizes that he was just really blowing him off. And he really does know about his films, whether he's watched them or not, or whether he's read them. You know, that's one thing. And so while they're walking in the forest one day and they're trying to get to their next destination, he kind of has another one of those fanboy moments with him where Roger actually starts to like be impressed by the kid. Kind of reminds me of uh, April Showers from Arbor Day 4. Ten years ago, it was the Arbor Day Massacre, right? And Hardison High is still not recovered. So, 
spring break and hot and high, right? School's closed, but the botany class stays behind for some extracurricular fun. <laughs> God, this is some of the best kills of the series, man. I mean, that one where you drown that guy in a tub of sap? Fuck, dude, I mean, shit, that was horrifying. So slow, it's so sticky. <laughs> that was my idea. What? Oh, yeah. The director, he wanted to move on. He wanted to just smash some skulls, keep it going faster. I said, no, 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 let's slow this down, okay? Because the arborist would take his time, like a tree. I knew it. Knew what? I knew that you knew more about the films than you were letting on. Come on, dude, just do the catchphrase for me once, please, Come just on. once. I hate Arbor Day. You don't. How can you hate it? I mean, you go to Sorry. these conventions all the time. You did six films, for I fuck's sake. I am an actor, okay? I'm a serious actor. Guys, Arbor Day was my first fucking movie. Somebody said to me, hey, Roger, you want to wear a mask? I said, a mask? Are you kidding? I want to see my face. I want to see my goddamn face on that big screen. If I had hidden my face, I would have been able to move on. But no. No, this is the face of tree horror. Guys, guys! I, I, I think someone's watching us. Um. Fuck me. And this is where we get to see their version of the arborist in this movie. Now, again, I really want tree horror. I think we need to have these Arbor Day movies. They, like, really need to be a thing. And I like the fact that, like, as they're talking, that he wants to show off the kid because he, he's starting to realize, like, how into him he is and how big of a fan that this kid is, right? And it's actually giving him a little bit of an ego for him to go through and be like, yeah, I'm the one that suggested this. You know, the director just wanted to go through there and just wanted to make it a generic fucking horror movie. But I was like, no arborist like tree he take things slow and that's the way the wind blows and so that's how the tree sap kill went right it's it's interesting because you can see as they they talk and they do things the better that he actually becomes as a character and i really do like that like they they even Sam, when he joins them, she's like, yeah, everybody needs a redemption arc. And this is the start of that arc. As he warms to Dak, he starts to show a lot more and, and get that redemption arc that he so needs in this movie. So a as they realize that something is chasing them, who happens to be the arborist, something gets thrown against hot or high, the, the sign there, and it happens to be a pair of, I think, shears, like pruning shears that he got. And... Again, the arborist looks really fucking cool. And funny enough, like the picture or not the picture, but the image of him here reminds me a little bit of uh, from the wastes. If you know Evan, you know, his a Twitter handle, the picture that he uses on his looks like the arborist, which is really fucking cool. And uh, and actually at, in a weird way, too. And I'm sorry, Isaac, but. Your your uh, if you don't know who Isaac Thorne is, author Isaac Thorne, his image also looks like the arborist too, and I think it's just like the beard that you've got the the, the way that it's cut, or it's like the steampunk type of glasses, and I'm expecting him to wear the hat as well. So like, put you and Evan together, <laughs> you have the arborist. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. 
but that's now all I see. And and maybe you needed to be the star of this movie. So we're going to make Arbor Day, right? We're going to put it together and then we're going to approach Owen Edgerton. We're going to say, I have the perfect guy to play the Arborist and we're going to make this horror movie and we're going to call it Arbor Day, the revenge. And it's going to be a requel, right? So even though nobody's heard about this movie, but we're going to base it off everything here in Bloodfest that we know. So they run to the high school to try to get away from the Arborist and they find that the door is locked but unfortunately, Krill, he ends up running in the opposite direction of everybody else, and he goes on his own little adventure while we have uh, Roger and Dax and Sam and Ashley all get into the school. And when they finally get to the school and they pound on the door, they get let in, and they get let in by the most surprising fucking cameo in this whole goddamn movie. Who is it? Who do you think would be the person that would just randomly show up in this movie. And now I will say that person has been mentioned before and it was just a throwaway fucking joke, but it makes the joke even fucking better when Zachary fucking Levi shows up in this movie and gets killed by the Arborist. Wait, there's someone inside. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Oh, thank you, thank you. Oh, thank you. Wait, I know you. You're Zachary Levi. Oh, yeah. The karaoke guy? Listen, I think we're going to be safe, all right? The windows are all secured. The door's locked. Flynn Rider! You're Flynn fucking Rider. You've never seen a single film, but you've seen Tangled. Maybe. Are you, are you alone? I was, uh, I, was, I was with my friends, some of my closest friends. We stuck together when things got nutty. We made it through the woods. And then we were attacked by these crazed cannibal hillbillies. They tracked us down. They, they hunted us. They were killing and eating my friends. I right? think about Flynn Rider a lot. I mean, a lot. It was the saddest, most terrifying thing I've ever witnessed. Like, I couldn't believe... When Flynn just... smolders at Rapunzel, I felt, I don't know, humid. <laughs> There's this one girl. There was a girl that I loved. I actually just loved my life, and I didn't have any had a chance to tell her because we were trying to run to the school. Right before we got in the door, they grabbed her, and they started to tear her apart. My hair's magical. It was... Well, sometimes magical. Okay, let's focus. I'm so sorry about your friends. Is this place safe? Uh, like I said, the windows are all sealed and I've locked all the doors. Without this key right here, there's no way in. We're out. Oh, of course, but who would want to go out? This is such a ridiculously fun scene. I love it when you first see him and they get in. They're like, oh shit, it's Zachary Levi. And Roger goes, the karaoke guy? <laughs> it's like how could you not know him from all the other shit that he's fucking done okay i think at this point he was just shazam and that's why it's funny that you see him in this movie and of course if you watch chuck that's where a lot of people will notice him for and honestly it took me to this fucking movie this movie to realize that he was the voice of finn in the fucking like rapunzel movie from disney whatever that fucking movie was called, Tangled. They even said it in the goddamn clip, and I can't remember anything from five seconds ago. So he goes through, and he keeps getting stopped by Ashley, who is just so sexually charged by that character that it's starting to bother him. But at the same time, in the back of my mind, he's thinking like, um, you know, maybe I could get some from this girl. 
if I just flex my fin pecs a little more. But then he starts talking about, yeah, there was this girl I loved and I never got to tell her and everything just went to, cr and then he's interrupted again. It's, it's just fucking hilarious. I love this little scene. And then at the end, when he's finally ready to say something and, you know, about the lock, why would anybody want to get out? And there you see the arborist standing over there. And then he shears his neck with the shears and he starts spraying blood all over the rest of the party. And so they run over into a classroom and lock themselves away from the arborist that's coming to kill them. Now this, the next part of the, the, the movie I'm splitting into two different scenes because each scene happens kind of in they're intertwined in a way. And one scene is a little longer than the other, but I feel like one should come second to the other one just because one's more comedic than the other one's a little more dramatic in the way they do stuff. So that's how I split the audio. So what I did was I took the audio from one sequence. Basically, you have Krill's adventure as he goes into vamp camp and you have, uh, you know, Dax and the crew as Dax and Roger sit down and he tries to tell Roger what he needs to do. Like he needs to act. He needs to be the greatest actor in the fucking world. And this is how they're going to basically get past the arborist and how everybody is going to survive. So what we're going to do is we're going to go first and take a look at what's going on with Krill and the vampires. And then we'll come back to Dax and the crew. So first off, we know that Krill ran off in his own way and he's in the middle of the forest and he starts hearing some music in the distance and a campfire. And, and what are those dulcet sounds that are coming in the background? It's one of the greatest musical compositions of all fucking time. Yeah, everybody knows this song. It was huge. It was in a bunch of movies, too. And it's constantly being used. And it's the only song that the band is ever really going to be known for, even though I know personally that there are some really great songs that this band has done. And in fact, their first album is a complete fucking banger and has a ton of great music on it. But now they're just known for this one song, which is a goddamn masterpiece of music. He starts hearing in the distance All Star by Smash Mouth. And that's when he comes across the vamp camp as there's a bunch of girls with a bunch of frat bros and they're all getting down. But unfortunately, nobody realizes that any of them are vampires and neither does Krill, who as a virgin uh, totally mistakes what's going on here. Yo, what up, dude? Yeah. Welcome to the party, bro. What's up, dude? <laughs> Look at what's going on. People are dying. It's Bloodfest, dude. Fucking Bloodfest. No, I mean actually getting killed. <laughs> Walsh made everything real. The monsters, everything. Oh, really? He's created werewolves, ghosts, vampires. Oh, yeah. Sounds like somebody dipped into the K2 a little early. <laughs> Dork. <laughs> lying it, it's it's true Walsh somehow made monsters real I, I don't know how to explain this well I suppose vampires would be simple enough there's a way out a back gate if I could just get to the others we would just lure girls from Eastern Europe with promises of visas and high-paying American jobs uh, yeah I mean America's great for that I... and then you would surgically sharpen their teeth and you would chemically stimulate their adrenal glands so they produce abnormal amounts of pheromones, making them sexually irresistible. Wow. 
You are really pretty. And then finally, you would infect them with a chronic case of porphyria. <laughs> <laughs> What is that? It's a rare disease, resulting in insomnia, heightened sensitivity to light, and an unquenchable thirst for blood. Is, is that a real thing? Look it up. I'm sorry. I, I'm not gonna stay. You're such a neat girl. I really would love to stay here and maybe have sex with you. I really would, I just... You've never been with a woman. Not in person, no. <sighs> Look, my friends are out there and they might need me. Oh, such loyalty. Such innocence. You could come with us. I mean, maybe there's a way no, out. No, get can... away. No, don't. No, please. go. Oh, okay. okay. Go. I'm sorry. I suck with girls. So there's a lot of stuff that's going on in this scene. And in the first part, they're just like partying there. They're all drinking heavily. All the girls are all on top of them. And you know they've walked into the vampire world, right? Nothing here is, is possibly right. And so <laughs> they're all getting drunk. Oh, yeah, somebody got into the K2 too early. You know, and, and get it. These are stupid trope frat boroughs that are over there. And like I said, this doesn't bother me as much as the nerd because probably I don't identify as much with the frat bros as I would with the nerds and the geeks that are over here. But I I get it. They're like tropes as they are. And they're just, you know, thinking that, oh, yeah, the hottest chicks got with us. And this is just the way that it's going to be because it's blood fest, motherfucker. And we're going to make sure that we get our dicks wet. All right. And then you have poor Krill over here that's just oblivious to everything that's going on especially when the like lead vampire person comes over to him and it's just like explaining that she's been turned into a vampire by be given some type of disease that basically makes them thirst for blood and so you have them over here and you know when we come back to the scene after doing a, the other part of the other scene then you know she's still trying to like seduce him but he's so awkward with women that he doesn't realize he's like she's trying to seduce him but then he's like you know what my friends need more help than you know any of these he's trying to warn everybody and she's just like yeah and meanwhile in the background the the girls are getting naked they're taking off their tops and, you know, you get a lot of side boob, but not a lot of full frontal nudity here, which is fine because I think for the joke, it's pretty good. Except for you do hear when they finally turn into the vampires and they've got all the teeth, you hear the one guy go, my dick. <laughs> because another thing that you don't do to a dick as a vampire, you don't bite off some dude's dick to suck the blood out of his body. It's something you just don't do. I get it. it you know, you got him horny enough. All the blood is fucking rushed into that point, And it's just going to be like a fucking geyser of blood right from his fucking crotch. 
but really just bite them on the neck. That's all you really need to do. You don't need to have a giant spray. You don't need to bukkake yourself with blood, okay? It's not a fucking sprinkler. Don't put your thumb on the fucking dick hole and start spraying it all over the place and just dancing idly. Meanwhile, your boobs are all hanging out and he's still trying to get aroused even though he's fucking dying, man. You know... It's just something that you just don't do, but it is fucking hilarious at the same time. So they're all getting killed in the background while, you know, Krill is talking to this vampire lady and she's like, wait, you're a virgin? Oh, no, I can't do this to you. It's just not right. But she's like oddly attracted to him at the same time where it's like he's got like the freshest of blood and that's just what she wants. Oh, I need that virgin blood. It's just going to make me just fucking orgasm like 17 fucking times but she lets him go because she doesn't want to get the better of her and so she gives him like a flaming stake to go back on and he goes back over to the group to you know hopefully find them and protect them from whatever is out there so meanwhile while all this is happening we have you know dax roger sam and ashley and they're holed up in the classroom at hotterton high and they're trying to figure out how they can get around the arborist as he's slowly walking down the hallway coming after them and that's where dax has the greatest idea that he needs to have roger act as though he were the arborist's father because the tragic backstory that he has is what is going to allow him to be released from what he thinks his duty is because his father happened to be killed by a bunch of rowdy teenagers and thrown to a wood chipper as we find out in the scene between Dax and Roger. If we don't get that key, we're not getting out of here. I'm not going to be murdered by the arborist. That is just too fucking ironic. Every every answer is in the origin story, right? Jason's drowning, Freddy's burning. I got it. I got it. Tommy Waits. Tom, who? Tommy. You, the arborist. Oh, sure, good. Hey, guys. So your dad was the school arborist, and you watched as some teenagers accidentally killed your father. And then you used a wood chipper to bury the body. Jesus. Yeah. You grew up alone in the woods, raised by the trees. Is, is that in the movie? It's implied. What about that scar? What about that alien mark that shows that I'm their spawn? No, 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 no. That part five, mistake. In part six, they pretend it never happened, right? Faster. Okay, uh, all right. Um, you are solely killing to avenge your father's death. So here's what you're going to do. You are going to distract him by pretending to be his dad. Who's dad? Your dad. My dad. Yeah, his dad. He's, uh... He's a, he's a complicated character, right? Uh, a tragic soul, uh, a ghostly patriarch reaching out to his troubled son. It's Hamlet's father. It's the role you were born to play. And it's like he's reaching directly to Roger, and Roger's getting all swelled up, and he's getting himself all puffed up and ready to play this role as the arborist's father, who's going to go out there and calm the son and you know make sure that he doesn't kill them all. And 
I, I really like the way these two scenes play out because one, you see how much Dax actually knows and how into these films he is. And then you see Roger like really coming to respect the way that Dax is. And like, even though he's so into it, like he's amazed that the kid knows this much and that, that he's able to draw this out of him to which he's like, okay, I can do this. I can get it right. But unfortunately, once he does meet the arborist, at least at the end, things don't go the way that they should. Son. I am so, so proud of you. You have avenged me. Honored me. You have ripped up all the diseased roots. You have thrashed all the weeds. You've cleared the garden of all the fickle growth so that a true tree may thrive. That tree is you. He's amazing. My son, you may rest now. Your work is done. Give me the trimmer. Well done, Timmy. Tommy. Yep, he fucked up the name. That's why he's never been given a speaking role in any of these fucking movies because he can't remember his goddamn lines. Like, I'm surprised he didn't look over and go, Lion? What? What was it again? Oh, Timothy. No, 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 no. Timmy. No, 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 no. Bimmy. No, 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 no. Jimmy. No, 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 no. What was his name again? Oh, yeah. Tommy. Ah, fuck me. And so he almost hands him his, like, pruning shear, like, thing. It's like a scythe, but it's the tree trimmer thing. You know, you think you put up in the trees if you've ever used them before, and then you crank the lever and it cuts the branches off. I love using those fucking things. I haven't used one of those things in years. But he pulls that away from him after he realizes that, wait, they're playing a trick on me. But you see the arborist like, oh, yeah. Oh, I'm so happy, Dad. Like that type of face. Like, yeah. All right. It's time for me to rest because I've done everything that I need to do. You're right. I love you, Dad. That's not my fucking name, you fucking liar. And so he he's able to get away from him and not get killed by the arborist. Once the other ones got the keys, they open the door and then in busts Krill with the flaming stake and runs it right through the <laughs> the arborists. And he you know he ends up killing him and he's like, I, I did it. I killed the arborist. And he everybody's happy with themselves. And instead of leaving this place, like they unlocked the front door, right? So instead of leaving that way, instead, they find a random hallway, and that's how they're going to be, like, getting out of there. They're going to go underground, under the school. They could have done this without having to get the key and trying to leave. Like, it makes no sense. This part really does not make any sense to me. If you, you survived and you're trying to get out and you've killed the arborist, that means that this area is safe. You just walk to the next area. You can walk straight to Clown Town. You don't have to go into the the next, like, you know, ville that they've got going on here. And that's when, before they, they, they're able to they get downstairs, they find another locked door. They have the key, but, of course, this key doesn't work on this door, which allows like krill in his backpack full of wonders over here he's got a bag of holding on his back he pulls out a lock set which sam's like you carry one he's like you don't and so he starts to pick the lock on the door and that's where we see roger and dak kind of having a little bit of uh, like a heart to heart 
That was some amazing directing back there. Where did you get those skills? I've seen a lot of movies. And my mom, she loved them. And especially the black and white ones. You know, Universal, Val Luton. We used to watch them all night. Huh. Well, that is some A-plus parenting right there. I mean... <laughs> she was murdered. What? Oh, God. I'm sorry. Jesus. It's fine. You know, for a while, I was so afraid. Everything scared me. Everything except movies. <laughs> now, in movies, I knew that the, that the blood was fake, that the daggers were made of rubber. It's kind of like I could play with fear, you know? I could sit in the dark for an hour or two. I could scream, I could jump, I could laugh. Know that everything was gonna be okay. I mean, there's something honest about those movies. <laughs> honest? Those films are ridiculous. In Arbor Day, Friday the 13th, Halloween, doesn't matter where you run or where you hide, death is always gonna get you. And even if you do survive, you'll just die in the sequel. So, death is inevitable? That's the takeaway? I don't know. You live while you can, I guess. Make the most of what little screen time you've got. Say what you do. Live life to the fullest. Not even close. Like, this is a really good scene. As, you know, again... It's it's weird because you know a while back ago in the slap face one like I explained like why I love horror right and that type of movie that you can have you can have these crazy things that go on and you can have this awesome message that goes in the movie and then you have I I think I even said like you can have movies like this right that are just fun it it, it this is a dumb fun movie but it has these like poignant moments in it and you can tell that owen edgerton as a writer as a director and as a creator for this movie has a love of horror and he's expressing that love directly through his character right here and you know robbie k does an excellent job in portraying this as well like i love the way this scene goes because it's exactly my like thought on horror and a lot of people's love of horror as well that like yeah there's the depressing part where it's like death is inevitable is that what it is but the whole thing with the fear the fact that you know it's fake you know i i used to work for a company that did cardiological equipment and i probably talked about them before and I, you know, people are always like surprised with me. They're like, when they find out that I get used to get squeamish when we'd have like our team meetings because they would show how our device works. They would show the open heart surgery stuff and how it holds away the heart. And I could never look at it because I knew what I was looking at. That was real, right? Where I can watch all this stuff go on horror. I'd love the gore and stuff, but I know it's not real right and that's why i can enjoy it because i know at the end of the day nobody got hurt nothing bad happened to anybody and that it's just it's like you said it's all rubber knives and fake sets and animatronics and all this stuff but i still love it and that's why i love like watching these movies and this movie is as much as of a love to horror as it is to anything else. I mean, this whole thing here with the Arborist is just a love to slashers. They have 
sometimes the worst fucking backstories. Some of the backstories are really cool, but a lot of them are just like, oh yeah, some teenage kids did something stupid, so they're going to get revenge on all the teenage kids. Like, that could just be it. Or it gets, you know, he didn't get the stuffing for this Thanksgiving meal, so now he's back from the asylum, and he's going to finish the job he was supposed to do before. Like, it's sometimes just stupid premises, but it still makes for a really good fucking movie, a really good killer, and sometimes, yeah, they do have, like, a big message. So, while I keep watching this movie, it just, like, affirms my love of horror and the vision of, like, the love of horror that this director has for the genre itself. And it makes me feel like this movie is a horror movie for horror fans, right? Yeah, you could say all the other type of bullshit that's going on, oh, that our monsters are weak and, you know, things just aren't what they used to be. You could totally do all that type of stuff. But at the same time, y when you have this, you, you know you can still have entertainment and joy and whatever else there is out there. You know, horror is just horror and everybody likes it for different reasons. And they all like their own genres and subgenres and everything. And it, this is just a love for the genre and get together. You know, it's so many different types where your, your arborists are, is your slasher zombies of course are zombies and the vampires are vampires and the zombies had a little bit of like evil dead mixed in there and we're gonna get some night of the living dead type of stuff coming up clown horror is a thing i would have really loved to see a motel madre uh for whatever it was you know but we just don't get to see those things in the film it's it's funny and it's entertaining and it's just a love for the genre that's how i see the movie so uh, from here you know they find that they've ended up in torture town also there's the whole thing of uh you know he is definitely interested in sam and he's when he says you know have you lived your life to the fullest and he's like not even close and he's staring over at sam and of course you know that something's gonna happen between them i wonder what's gonna go on so now they go into not torture town but Tortureville. And when they enter the first room, it's a room full of dolls. And Krill's like, we just need to get the fuck out of it. And he's like, no, for us to get through this, we have to go through here. So let's go through here. And so they start traveling around. There's a little bit with Sam. She apologizes to Dax because she's like, if I hadn't pushed you, then, you know, you wouldn't have come here. You'd be sitting on your couch and you'd be happy and you wouldn't be fighting for your life to where he's like, no, I wouldn't have been happy. And it's because you pushed me that allows me to do more things with you because I'm happiest when I'm with you. And so they start hearing somebody yelling in the background and Sam runs ahead uh, and, you know, Roger and Dax chase after her and eventually you know, as does Krill and Ashley as well, but they end up getting split up and Sam comes into the room and we see the ticket taker guy, the guy that was scanning all the badges and he is locked in a trap and we're basically in a jigsaw style room where he's got two hands that are put into these like uh, weird like brick or like cubes and there's a clock in the back and we've got this murderous little doll that's down there by the name of Mr. Leadfoot. 
And it looks like the doll from Dead Silence, I think it is, that James Wan movie with the puppet that's back there. A little bit also, it's got a little bit of the the Billy Jigsaw-like doll that you have there as well. So it's kind of neat, kind of cool. And he's basically sitting there in front of a clock. And when the clock strikes 12, then we're going to rip a man apart. Basically, they're going to rip another person in half or rip him apart. Probably just tear the arms out of the sockets or something like that. And so, you know, he's like, you got to help me. You got to help me. And she's like, what can I do? Because she's a good person. And he's like, in the boxes over there, there's buttons. So you got to hit the buttons. And so she hits one. He's like, no, no, there's two. And you got to hit them at the same time. And she's like, okay. And so she sticks her hands inside of the damn things, hits the buttons, and then she gets locked in the trap while he gets released from the trap. And she's like, hey, you got to help me. And this guy's an ass clown and just like, I'm sorry, and fucking bolts. And that's when we see that, you know, Dax and Roger show up and see that she's locked inside of this machine. And, you know, they have to figure out how to get her out. In the meantime, we see that Ashley and Krill, they're wandering around. They end up in a bathroom together and the door closes on them shut and they can't get it out. And that's when Ashley, she decides that she's had it and she doesn't think that they're going to survive. And Krill starts to comfort her. And then we see that Krill at least gets his wish fulfilled of what he wanted by coming to Bloodfest. We're never getting out of here. We are, we are. We just gotta get to the yellow warehouse. And I'll use the key card to hack it. We'll be free, I promise. Lynchman had it. Crap. Um, okay, we'll find another way out of here. I'm gonna die. And I can't die like this, covered in dirt and filth and Zachary Levi's blood on me. You could always take a shower. You're right. Uh, uh, No, no, no. That's actually not a good idea. That's just what I need. No, no. I was kidding. Ashley, please, think about the rules. I'm sick of the rules, Krill. I'm sick of people telling me what to do. No, no. Oh, my God. Oh, hot water. Thank God. Oh. That feels so good. Oh, oh, I I thought you were just washing your face. You know, all my life, I've acted the way other people wanted me to act. Dress the way other people wanted me to dress. Wasted time with dicks like Benjamin Kane. I'm gonna start doing what I wanna do. Be with guys that I wanna be with. Good guys. Hey, Krill. Yeah. Do you think I'm shallow? Shallow? Just here because I want to be famous. How fucking shallow is that? Well, I just came here to get laid, so. I, 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 and, hear, and hear you speak at your panel. I, I, I like hearing you talk. I'd watch you on anything. Tommy Wiseau movie, a driver's ed video. I'd, Watch you in a commercial for granola, and I hate granola. Hey, Krill. Yeah? Maybe we could still make one of our dreams come true. Now, what happens next in this movie is one of the most depraved 
fucking raunchy sex scenes that you've ever seen in a movie right he just gets in there and gives her the sour apple smoothie the space dock fondue you've got the mexican pancake going on there he's got the reverse giggity giggity and he's just going to fucking town you know there's ass cheeks just fucking clapping all over the damn place we got like boobs flying in directions that you never thought you'd seen before there's some weird zero g shit i don't know how they filmed this and i don't know how they kept this to a rated r man because this is totally like quadruple x i mean this is sicker than sick like everything they decided you know he just takes his dick out it's removable and he starts jamming it down her throat and then she likes it so much that she tickles his like little butthole and yeah i'm totally making this all fucking up it just cuts to black and we go to another scene but it's nice that we have like krill being the one that actually gets what he wants in this film and I, I like that they decided to do this with the character rather than just being like, oh, well, you know, he's just going to be this way. And you kind of saw it coming, right, that the two of them were going to get close and eventually they were going to sleep together. And, ooh, what a twist. But that's not like the real, like, twist of the movie is the fact that Krill actually gets them. But we're getting to the other things where the twist actually happens. So, it's just, it's kind of funny because she's just like realizing how shallow she is and that she was only doing this so that she can get famous. But really, like I was saying before, you know, when you're topless girl number four, you're not going to be on the panel on that stage. He's just bringing you along because, you know, that's what he's doing and that's what he wants to do. And, you know, if she says something, okay, whatever, you know, she's going to be found because she's in a really shitty horror movie. And a lot of people, they start their careers in really shitty horror movies. I mean, look at George Clooney, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes 2. I mean, come on, that's awkward that he's in that movie at all. But yeah, that's one of his first fucking films. Or, and I wouldn't say these are shitty movies, well, okay, in, in a different way, not as in bad, but as in shitty but you got James Gunn getting a start in trauma. Like that's crazy that he went from those types of movies, which are awesome in their own regard. And it really showcased that he had some, you know, talent with him to doing these big giant blockbusters that everybody fucking loves. And I, how many people do you think go back to Tromeo and Juliet, but it's a place where you get their start, right? Jennifer Aniston and fucking Leprechaun. It's crazy to think that she was in that movie, but there you go. She's in that film. And so while it is like, you know, it's selfish that that's what she wanted it for. It's still not uncommon for you to do these things. And some people love being in this like world, right? They do these crappy horror movies, but they actually enjoy being in these movies. And there's a lot of people that jump from movie to movie to movie. And sometimes you do these movies to get famous or to just get noticed that, hey, I've done these. Yeah, that's a terrible movie, but at least I've been in a movie. What movies have you been in? So they go ahead and get it on. And it's funny because she gets undressed in the shower. And she keeps throwing her clothes off the top there. And the fact that like she's like dirty and I need to get the dirt off. It's like her wiping all of that stuff off and realizing that, you know what? Hey, Krill's not a bad guy. And maybe I could come to actually be attracted to him in some way. But the fact of the matter is, is that there's not a whole lot of time in between when they like this scene ends and they're going to go have sex to when like the whole th next thing ends. Right. 
It's probably a couple minutes, but I guess when you're a virgin for some people, it only takes you like 30 seconds to fucking splooge. So all she gets is the quick in and out and that's it. But knowing the way that some people are, you know, you have sex for the first time and I can't believe I'm going through this stuff. And then you just have sex again. Like you do it twice. And usually the second time is a lot longer than the first time because the first time you just don't know how to handle yourself because you're a fucking virgin. That's just the way it kind of works. It doesn't matter what type of sex you have. Well, unless, of course, you're, like, scissoring, right? Then I guess in that case, um, you would just keep going to get off. But that's also, like, some stupid male fantasy that, you know, some people probably really do. But I doubt that there's a lot of people who are just like, oh, we're just going to scissor. Yeah, that's the way that it's going to work. Like, they saw it on South Park, and that's just the way it goes. Or they looked up the list of Urban Dictionary sex moves, and they were like, okay, let's try that at Alabama Slamma tonight. And then they realized what it is, and uh, nobody likes poop on their chest. So, while they're busy getting it on, we go back over and we see Sam is fighting for her life because the clock is slowly ticking, and she's going to be ripped limb from limb by this machine that's being run by Mr. Leadfoot, or whatever the fuck his name is. And so... Roger tries to help by adjusting the clock, and then he gives him the, no, 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 you're trying to cheat, and it advanced the clock a lot quicker. Uh, and so they're basically, Dax is like, I don't know what to do. How can I save you? How can I save you? And she's like, I don't know. Just save yourself. Just save yourself. And then all of a sudden, the thing stops. She's let go, and the, the big rock drops, and they both see that Roger has taken over for her in her place and she he starts talking about you know his redemption arc and this is ultimately his redemption because he feels for the kid he knows how much the kid cares for the girl and he basically i guess gave him feelings and and while this is like a heroic thing and yeah he gives like his catchphrase to dax he actually says the thing that he needs to do like it's something along the lines like i'm gonna prune you or something like or you're gonna get pruned something along stupid along those lines you know i have to think about there's no reason for him to fucking die like because remember that it's two things that and, and maybe because it's gonna be so much force that you know it, it could still possibly injure them at least somewhat at least I think that the way that it's going to rip everything out, you know, it's going to pull on the arms and maybe it would just like dislocate a shoulder if each of them just put one arm into the other one and click the goddamn button. You don't need to have one person enter the goddamn machine. Just have one person on each side, hit the button, your arm gets trapped, right? At, At your wrist, it's trapped. And then maybe you fly off because it pulls so hard. Like you could just get it and hold on to it and then maybe lessen the blow. Like you, I understand that you're also panicking and this is the only thing that you could think of. But if you look at it, two buttons need to be pressed at the same time. One person on each side presses the goddamn button. And then, yeah, you got two people captured, but you could probably get them out of the trap now that the trap has sprung and you don't kill anybody. But instead, he sacrifices himself gets his arm ripped off, like, on both sides, torn apart, as he says his, like, catchphrase to Dax, and then we move on to the next little thing. And we see that they're in the hallway, they're trying to find both Ashley and Krill, and Ashley and Krill come out of the bathroom, they can't open up, like, he got dressed so goddamn fast, she got dressed relatively fast, 
And then, you know, they're trying to open the door and he's like, I can't get it open. Then Ashley just pulls it rather than pushing on it like he should have done a while ago. I guess maybe he just played his odds in his favor. It was like, look, if I pretend to push on it and thinking that the door is locked, I can definitely get me some. And that's the way that it's going to go. So, you know, he's able to they're able to escape. And when they come out, they're holding hands and Sam and Dax don't think anything of it. She explains that. Yeah, it's, you know, the the key card was given over to douchebag director and that, you know, it, Sam gets mad at her. <laughs> Krill's like, why are you getting mad? You know, she just, she just, whatever. And he's she's like, I have a right to be mad because she should have told us a while ago because maybe we would have tried something different instead of thinking that we're going to get to this point. And then all of a sudden you're going to find out the last possible minute that there's no fucking key card and nobody can fucking escape you know it deserves to be mad and then all of a sudden red shows up for the first time in a long time and starts stalking after them they end up getting into a room where there's a ladder that's going to lead them into another area but inside the room there's all these barrels and they're all like flammable barrels and they all have c4 attached to them and they're like these are all rigged to explode as they're trying to block the door to make sure nobody comes after them and there's only one way out which is to go upstairs and to go into the clown room. And this is where we get one of these other really cool scenes. And this is actually the coolest moment of tension that was done. And truly the horrifying, like horrifying scene in the movie, because they're all standing in the middle there. And while they're standing there, you hear all these noises and they're trying to make the clowns as creepy as possible. And there's all these cutouts, but they're all missing eyes. So people can look over at them. And then the clowns slowly start to come out and you have all these different types of clowns, got little clowns, big clowns, and fat clowns, and skinny clowns, clowns that climb on rocks, clowns that have chicken pox. Ooh, and that one over there likes armor hot dogs. But it's, uh, it, they, they, when they all come out, then all of a sudden we cut back real fast over to the, you know, to uh, Walsh over there. And Walsh explains that, well, well, his like little mechanic guy explains that, hey, the the zombies, they've, you know, managed to get past their little perimeter set like sensors. And so Walsh is like, you know what? Let's see what happens. I think a crossover is in order. And so the clowns start coming out closer. Ned gives a, a really funny line that he's like, they're, Ashley asks, what are the rules about clowns? And he's like, there are no fucking rules. Crowns are fucking insane. Something along those lines. Like, they're, they'll, they'll take a shit and make you eat it. Like, something like that. I can't remember the line exactly. I wanted to include it, but the whole scene isn't very long. And I don't want to have, like, two seconds of audio that's just, like, something funny like that. Um, I wish I remember the exact line. But... So they're basically getting ready to defend themselves. And then who happens to show up? Why, it's the zombies. All the zombies have gotten there and they start attacking the clowns. So you have a murderous clowns versus zombie fight. And they're just like killing each other like crazy. There's this one zombie who's like the dentist from Little Shop of Horrors. And he's got his little, you know, gas mask of laughing gas. And he sucks it in. He's like, ah! And then he does it again as all the zombies like cave in on him. And this is where you get the scene where they're just like ripping his stomach open and his intestines is out there. And they're starting to feed on his intestines like it's Night of the Living Dead. And 
you know, eventually we see one of the zombies happens to be douchebag director who has the key card on him again, right there where everybody can fucking see it. And what pisses me about this this time pisses me off about this is the fact that, you know, when the director, when Walsh told his mechanic guy to go and get more zombies, create more because we've got a lot of corpses out there. He didn't see this staff badge on the guy. Think about it. Oh, I don't need to worry about that. Like, that's a way out of this place. Like, how did that zombie get that one? Well, I don't want to get killed by it, so I won't try to get it. But you have to put the electrodes on him. So if you would have put the electrodes on him, then you would have, like, taken that shit, too. But nonetheless, he has it. Ashley goes and gets it from him. And unfortunately, this is where Ashley meets her end. And she gets stabbed in the back through the heart by the douchebag zombie and then the zombie hits his vape as she throws out the you know the key card over to krill dax and sam from here then we go over and we actually have a really funny scene of the uh, of walsh checking in and getting against the gamers that are all playing this game and he's like how do you like the game and they're like oh this clown level is fucking badass and he's like well you're killing my clowns they're like well we're just gonna kill anything he's like up oh, it's time to end this relationship amy and then they throw a grenade in there <laughs> And the line is delivered so perfectly where the main gamer guy that's been talking directly back to Walsh looks back and he's like, man, what a chode. And I love the word chode and chode does not get used more than enough. And that should be a part of my vernacular as well. I should start calling people chodes more often than not. So he kills all the gamer guys. And now we've gone into the warehouse. They've made it there. They go inside and who they see? They see ass clown that left fucking Ashley to die and forced her, or not forced her, but tricked her into trading spaces with him. So before they start beating his ass down, he's like, look, we need to find a way to get out of here. Like, here's, I know where the door is. And so they go up to the door, they try the key card and the key card unfortunately doesn't work. So like, she was given the card, but she wasn't given a code because it's supposed to work, but she doesn't know the code or they don't know the code to get in there. And of course, you know, Krill over here has this little coding kit that's built into his fucking iPhone that can allow him to open the fucking door. Like, of course, he's got his fucking lock picking kit. So why doesn't he just have these little things with him all the time? He's master hacker of Overwatch after all. So he starts working on the door and that's where the vampire from earlier shows up because she's still obsessed with Krill over here and the fact that he's a virgin and she just wants to snack on some virgin blood, but he has now had sex and what's one of the rules you don't do in a horror movie? You don't have sex. So as he's talking to her and he's like, I know her. Like he's fucking Thor seeing Hulk for the longest time. And so he goes over, starts talking to her, and then he lets it slip that he's no longer a virgin. And that's when he realizes that, oh shit, she's a vampire. And as he turns around to basically get away from her, she gets her teeth out, bites him in the neck, that pisses off Sam. So Sam breaks open or breaks off a like a mop or a brush or something and stabs her in the heart with wood to where the vampire says to her you know that didn't have to be wood right and she's like did the trick because 
again, she's not really a vampire. She has a disease. Like, he's created all these monsters by doing all these mechanical things, right? Like, in terms of the Arborist made the guy watch the movie so much that he became the Arborist and he was believing that he was. With the zombies, it's all by these electrodes that are being remotely controlled as though they were video games. For the vampires, he brought all these Eastern European girls into the fucking place and then basically gave them a disease that turned them into a vampire-like thing. And then the clowns, it got off Craigslist because, you know, clowns are easier to get. So now Ned is dead and, well, he's lying there on the ground and Dax says to him, don't worry, you're going to make it, to which Ned is like, that's something you never say in fucking horror movies, so I'm dead. And then he's like, no, remember, the virgin always survives. And he's like, well, that's a death sentence for me then. Then he dies, and poor Krill is no more. So at that point, ass clown in the back gets the door working. He gets it unlocked, and he's like, come on, let's get the fuck out of here. And that's where we get the twist of the movie that everybody is seeing everywhere, but not before. So we're going to do this a little different because I kind of skipped over a little section that happened there. So first, we're going to play the thing before the twist happens, and this ruins the twist of everything that's going on, but you need to hear this news telecast by Dak's father. The glorification of violence, the over-sexualized crowds, the rampant exploration of humanity's darkest sides, this is what horror gives us. Horror begets horror, especially in the, uh, especially in the young. Are you all right, Dr. Conway? <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I just, uh, my son was supposed to join us, and I am. Uh, I'm fine. Doctor, perhaps you are exaggerating the issue? Bloodfest Blood is, is a deadly tragedy waiting to happen. I wouldn't let my children... I wouldn't let... I wouldn't... Oh, excuse me just for a minute. Uh, we're, we're actually sorry. broadcasting live, so... Dr. Conaway? So you get this little scene kind of in between everything that just happened with them running away with the clowns, all that type of bullshit that's going on. And it seems awfully weird that he all of a sudden be like, oh, he realizes that his son, he's not here. Oh, shit. He actually went to Bloodfest. And so now he's going to go run and stop him. Like, what is he going to do? How is he going to get in there? Like the whole place is gated off. You know, the fences are electrified. It's locked from the outside. There's only one way out. And it happens to be where now Krill is dead. The vampire lady is dead, who's not really a vampire and got stabbed with a stake and could have just been shot in the head. But that wouldn't be a satisfying, right? And so, you know, here then comes the twist that everybody... So that scene specifically ruins the twist, in my mind, Right. I don't know if we necessarily need to have that scene or we needed to do it a lot earlier. And it didn't need to seem to be so awkward because like as he's talking, he's he's pausing a lot thinking about where his son might be. And oh my God, he's at that heathen place, Bloodfest. And you know, if we're going with a whole dirty, not dirty dancing, but footloose thing with you guys can't dance and we're going to stop everybody here, it kind of makes sense. But instead, we get, and honestly, okay, I'm going to tell you right now, like, 
in my mind, there's two different things when it comes to this. One, that it's a little weak. But at the same time, it's interesting. And I kind of like like the reasoning of having this twist be in there. And, and the third thing, again, like I said, it's just really obvious. It's even obvious from the beginning of the movie that, you know, we're going to find out who the silent partner is. But before that even happens and then the door even gets unlocked, Red actually does show up here in the scene as well and grabs Sam as the door is about to open. So now, I mean, I don't need to say what this twist is, but what is kind of twisty is the second half of this whole thing where we get to find out not only who that silent partner is, but we also get to find out exactly who Red is. Yeah. Dax, how did you Everybody's know? dying in here! It's okay. It's gonna be all right. Don't worry. Yes, you got a gun! Dad, you were right. You were right about everything. <laughs> Sam! <laughs> stop! <laughs> Unload the fucking clip! You'll hit her! I will never do anything that would hurt you, okay? Do it. Do it! Dad. Okay, Dax, you can look. You're old enough. Okay. Jamie! This is gonna take some time to process, Dax. But I told you. I told all of you. These films, they're dangerous. They're savage. But you wouldn't listen. None of you would listen. No, you listen now. They'll never make another horror film again, not after tonight. You did this b because you hate horror movies? Horror killed my wife! Horror killed your mother. So tonight, I kill horror. I'm going up to the tower. This spectacle has gone on long enough. Take care of them. Jimmy, let her go. You should have known, Dax. Dad's been planning this for years. I've been helping. Put the mask, the, 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 the killing! Dad's idea. Kind of an experiment. You know, become the thing you fear and you won't feel afraid. And I don't. Truth is, I don't feel much of anything. So, are you gonna kill us too, or no. what? No. Maybe her. I'm kidding! But seriously, you should go. Everyone else here is going to die. The door is unlocked. You should go. I'm going to help Dad in the tower. Jamie, what? I know this is all, I don't know, ultraviolent, but I did warn you Bloodfest was gonna suck. So, the twist that everybody I feel sees coming is that the dad is the partner. And the reason why he's doing this is because he hates horror films and he believes that horror films are what killed his wife. So it's like he's getting revenge on horror. And it's it's silly. It's kind of silly. And like I said, you could see it coming for a long time because when we first are introduced to the dad outside of the, the like the prologue of the movie is, you know, he has all these books on the wall and they're all these anti-horror books. Okay. And the fact that, you know, he even here, and it's funny because 
you know, at the beginning of the movie, when he kills the guy, he's like, you know, look away. You don't need to see this. And he doesn't like the fact that his son likes horror so much and doesn't know what he gets out of it. But then when there's the real horror in front of him and he's seen a bunch of people die, he doesn't want to look at his father fucking shooting somebody. He's like, no, you can look. You're old enough. It's okay. It's like, isn't that really fucked up? Like you're, you don't like horror movies and this type of thing, but it's okay for him to see a man get shot in the fucking face. I mean, the asshole kind of deserved it because he left fucking uh, uh, Sam over here to fucking die right in the trap and tricked her into fucking letting him like take or her take his place. I get it, but you don't like, I don't think you'd want anybody to see. And the fact that his sister is red. Now that was kind of surprising to be honest, because she really had nothing to do with the movie. You didn't really see her in any other places. Like, you guess the dad thing, but the sister thing, honestly, is kind of a twist. The fact that she's basically been turned to this killer and she's been helping out the dad, and she was also one that was like, look, you shouldn't go. It's going to be terrible. And I love that she ends the line, look, I told you it was going to suck, and maybe it has sucked, maybe it hasn't sucked, but that's just the way that it is. The fact it it again, I think this is really silly. I, I it's fine for the film. It doesn't hurt the film overall, but I think that his motive should have been a little bit better, or we should have dived into that a little bit more. Other than yeah, I definitely blame horror for the fact that my wife got killed by some random fucking psychopath in a fucking mask, right? But here we are. Now, Sam and, uh, you know, Dax are left here by themselves inside this warehouse. The door is open, so they slowly start walking over to the door. We cut really fast over into the tower, and we see that Amy's getting hit on by the engineer guy, and she's not paying attention to the cameras that are out there. She looks down, she sees both of them about to escape, and then she slams the door shut and closes it. But if they have the key thing there, they should be able to open it right back up, right? And just fucking leave. But of course, no. Dax himself turns into like a a woe is me type of person where he's still afraid of his father. And Sam, she goes in there and she tries to set him straight by basically pushing him again and calling him a fucking dick, right? That he should be standing up to his dad and that sometimes, you know, dads are fucking scary, like she said earlier. But this is wrong, and you need to help people. Okay. Let's think, huh? How do horror movies end? There's got to be an answer. It doesn't matter. Some monster is going to come out of the shadows and kill us. Rip us apart. We might as well just sit here and wait for it. Okay. You know, my mom, she always used to say that I'm, uh, I'm stronger than anything I'm afraid of. We're gonna die here. Fuck you. What? Fuck you and your dead mom. Whoa. We've gone up against clowns and zombies, vampires, arborists, and you're still afraid of daddy? Check it out, Dax. This is life. Right now. And you can sit there watching, or you can get up and do something. Hey, hey, hey. Whoa, where are you going? There's one thing these movies have taught me, that you've taught me. So you can't run away from death. So I won't. I'm gonna run right at it. You wanna stop Bloodfest? You stop whatever's happening in that tower. 
Sam. There's three ways a horror movie ends. One, a single hero survives. Halloween, chainsaw, get out. Two, no one survives. The thing, sinister, out of the living dead. What's the third? I don't know. Let's go find out. All right, so now he's finally not feeling sorry for himself, and he's getting the strength from her to actually face his father and to try to stop whatever is going to happen here. And it's it's an interesting scene. I think that it works well, but the fact, like, I get a little upset that he's, like, she's like, fuck your mom and fuck you. Like, what? Like, what did his mom do? Like, he, like, became afraid of his dad because his dad was the only thing in his life because his mom got fucking murdered? Why would you say fuck your mom? Like, I know you're trying to put, like, something forward and you're trying to create shock value to him and all this stuff, but at the same time, dude, the mom's dead, okay? She didn't ask to be killed by some fucking serial killer, and you can't just be like, oh, well, fuck your mom and fuck your dead cat. And remember that goldfish you had in the third grade that you thought you didn't flush down the toilet? Well, fuck that goldfish, too. Also, your dead dog, your dead grandma, your friends that are now dead. Yeah, Krill, he got fucked all right. But then he fucking died because he got fucked. Fuck all them. Does that make you feel like you want to help people now? It does? All right, I did my job. But, yeah, it's it's just kind of silly. So now we go back over to the tower, and we see that, you know, Dr. Conroy, Dak's father, has shown up. And he just is like, everything is not going according to plan, and it's a complete shit show. It's a real shit show out there, Walsh. Uh-oh. Doc! What are you doing here? You're the silent partner, remember? Your goddamn festival nearly killed my son. Your son? He's misguided. Loves all this repugnant ghoulishness. <laughs> Must run in the family. I beg your pardon? Doc, will you relax? Go home! This will all be over by morning. What's the mortality rate? I, do, I don't know. There's maybe a hundred people left alive. 237. Thanks, Amy. Did not need that. That's too many. That is too many. I need to get my family and finish this. I'm pulling the plug. I'm blowing it up. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Doc, Doc, our plan is rigged to blow in the morning. Come on. I give you the fans. I give you the filmmakers. And you give me till dawn to make my movie. An explosion's simple. It's easy. It was part of the original plan before you talk me into this ridiculous exhibition. Doc, where's the fun in it? Where's the tension? Look around! We've made nightmares! We've made monsters! I've seen adults on these screens shit themselves! You- My son has been here all night! Dax is fine. I sent him home. See? He's perfectly safe. So- they rigged this place to blow. So the whole thing with all the explosives that we saw earlier in the film is the fact that they were going to do this, get their footage. Then in the morning before it all happened, they would leave and blow everyone the fuck up. And that would be it. And so nobody knows what happened here. They know there was just some giant explosion at Bloodfest and it killed fucking everybody and they'd all be martyrs. But then he would put out this movie 
And then somebody's like, oh, I guess I'm going to go see this like brand new fucking Anthony Walsh movie. Man, that sure looks like Brother Jim over there. Hey, Jebediah, what are you doing in this film? Lisa, why are your boobs out? I don't know what's going on. And they're all getting killed by zombies and clowns and vampires and shit? Like, what the hell? Oh, but that was a good movie, though. That's one of the best horror movies I've ever seen. But man, why are there so many people I know that suddenly got blown up in a goddamn explosion accident? And this looks like it's filmed during a fucking festival. Like, you wouldn't put two and two together? Like, it's the like dumbest thing. Kill a bunch of people, release a movie with them all in it. Okay. Well, it is whatever. And so... Now we go back and we see that, you know, Dax and Sam, they're getting all prepared and they've decided to get into a truck and they're driving towards the tower. And while they're driving there, they're being attacked by all sorts of monsters that are jumping on the goddamn car. And they're basically shooting them off or whacking them off or waxing them off or doing whatever. And eventually there's somebody that's dressed up like the nun and he says, forgive me father for killing this nun and he runs her the fuck over (laughs) and that that was pretty fucking funny uh but yeah so they're going to save the day and now we go back up to the tower and there's one last thing that they haven't tried yet that you know with everything that's going on they need to liven things up to make sure that they start killing people because they haven't killed enough and that's something that they have dubbed the pulse and we're going to find out what the pulse is as described by dax's father Let's do something with a little pizzazz. Something a little extraordinary. Let me do the pulse. Walsh. Come on, you know you want to see it. Look, look, look. We'll do the pulse, and then then we'll blow it all up. No survivors. Ah. Uh, when you say no survivors, could you be a little bit more specific about... just keep about- editing and, and, and save your work. What do you say? Have a little fun? All right, Walsh. Activate the pulse. <laughs> uh, what was the pulse again? The pulse is something I developed at the asylum, an accident. An attempt at a synoptic lobotomy. It's a vibration that goes through the skin, through the pulse, to the brain. It was supposed to calm my patients. It didn't. <laughs> Not at all. It drove them mad. Well, weren't they already mad? It drove them more mad. So filled with rage, they tore each other apart before they turned on themselves. You saved your last cut, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, could you go back over that part again? How, how exactly would you activate a vibration through the pulse of every surviving? Get ready to be very angry. <gasps> okay, no. Wait, wait. Now wait a second here, okay? Let's not do anything that we might... So you're telling me you don't need fucking gamma rays anymore? You just need some type of pulse that goes through the skin? Just give fucking Bruce Banner a wristband? Like you have those Livestrong bands? Maybe that's what they were all fucking used for. Or those old bands like the slap bracelets and shit like that. It was really to drive home the pulse to everybody. Make everybody fucking roid rage out. Fucking spit blood out of their fucking mouth. And then just attack everybody and try to kill whatever they can in the, like, the distance. Whatever you see. So he activates the pulse. Which starts causing anybody that has that wristband to go fucking crazy. Like our editor here. And so the, the editor 
starts like getting all crazy to which you know dr conroy just fucking shoots him and kills him and then we look over at the engineer he's like oh man i'm glad i don't have one of those and then amy out of the middle of nowhere jumps him and starts fucking like slaughtering him to which the good doctor kills both of them as well we cut back over and we see that dax and sam are still driving to the place and as they're driving along all of a sudden she starts not acting well because she has one of the wristbands and since dax doesn't he's not affected by the pulse but she is and she starts coming after him to which they crash the big giant truck into the side of the building and i think i said it was a van but it's like a truck it's like a mac truck or something like that and so when they crash you know he gets out he looks he looks at there's an elevator there doesn't open up and he's trying to figure out how he's going to get up there to which now we find that sam did survive the you know the crash just fine she didn't get completely knocked out and she starts attacking him we see dr conroy look around and he sees on the monitors that dax is down there and he's being attacked by sam and so when dax is able to get sam off he opens the elevator for dax which allows dax to go upstairs so i guess their budding romance isn't going off on the first like good foot because she's already trying to kill him and usually that happens after about 15 into 20 years of marriage so we'll see what happens when they start dating once the movie ends so dax is now going up the elevator and as he's traveling upstairs we go back into the top of the tower and we see dr conroy once again getting very very mad at walsh for basically allowing his son to still be in the park and activating the shit almost killing his son and well giving him the surprise ending that he really wanted for the movie and we also finally get dax standing up to his dad you did this do you have one sliver of self-awareness you helped birth all of this half the monsters are your patients and doc if you haven't looked in the mirror lately you're looking a little bloodthirsty yourself you're right I am a little bloodthirsty. Okay. Dad! Dax. Dad, stop whatever it is you're doing. You're killing her! Don't worry, son. It'll all be over very soon. We'll get out of here. No one will know we're here. He's filmed himself doing everything. Everything. He'll take all the credit. And then we'll walk out of here, blow the whole place up, and we'll be a happy family. Let's not blow it up quite yet. I still need my ending. Something big, something I didn't expect coming. How's this? See? See? There's no need for reanimated corpses or, or blood-sucking clowns. All you need is a gun. Just one goddamn gun. Dad! Stop right there. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to stay here and save my friend and my sister. If I get out of this place alive, I'm telling the whole world what you really are. Every time I look in your eyes, all I see is fear. There won't be anything to be afraid of anymore, Dax. The only thing I was ever afraid of was you! Stop right there, Dax. Right now! No. I was right. I'm stronger than anything I'm afraid of. Including you. So Dax has finally stood up to his father who is now just going crazy with rage himself because he cares. He honestly does care for his family and he didn't want to see his son get involved in this, right? He was trying to save him the entire time from the crazy shit that he was doing and that he basically decided to do himself. 
which is absolutely nuts. And honestly, Walsh is right. He's like, look, you know, you're as much at fault of this as I am. And he's like, no, it's all your fault. No, it's not. It's actually his fault because he found the crazy guy to work with the plan that he wanted to do. And he's like, I want to create this crazy horror movie. That's going to, you know, be real and, and gritty and boots on the ground type of filming. Yeah. And he's like, Hey, you want to create a murder festival? And he's like, yeah, that sounds great. This is the best idea ever. I get to get real death in the films and create my masterpiece and you get to end horror forever. Like what kind of plan is that? Like, I, I, I don't get it. Get it. Walsh is probably some type of fucked up in the head thing. And maybe Walsh was at his insane asylum or was like his patient or something. And he, he was really trying to get help and he just fed it. And he's as bad. Dr. Conroy is as bad as the person that killed his wife. Like that one guy killed one person. And now you want to kill thousands of people to like end horror. Like it makes no sense. Like the plan is just like, it's not going to stop horror movies. There's always going to be somebody you're going to what put a ban on it. Oh, it's because, you know, if they just hadn't been there for this festival where this giant fucking explosion happened, like, Oh no. I mean, he's going to take the footage and Walsh. I don't know why he doesn't get this. He's like, I still haven't finished my masterpiece. Where's the surprise ending where he gets fucking shot and gets killed that way. But he was always intended to die. Right. He was always going to kill him, take all the stuff, and then you'd be like, yeah, this is my movie, which would have ended horror. I guess maybe would have ended horror, but I doubt that it would have even done that. So then what you would have needed, Bloodfest 2, even festier? Like, what would have happened with this thing? Like, how would you have really ended the genre of movie by killing a ton of people where eventually it's probably going to get back to you? So... He is now killed, like the Walsh, not the professor, but the director. And he's basically got a gun to his son's head. And then he realizes the only way that he can save his son from the whole thing is by killing everybody. And so he grabs the detonator. He turns it on. He's about to press the button. And that's when Julie, the sister, throws the knife, stabbing the father in the heart and knocking him out the glass window of the tower. And we get an awesome shot of him falling out of the tower. It's pretty goddamn cool. I really like that shot. And I think it was done rather well. So now the dad is dead and there's brother and sister looking at each other. But who's coming? Why, it's Sam. Somehow, somebody, somewhere hit the goddamn elevator button to bring the elevator downstairs or she was so roided out that she opened the goddamn elevator, climbed all the way to the top of the tower, then managed that broke through the bottom of the elevator, then opened the elevator doors and started attacking them. So she starts attacking Sam because she's got to get hers and make sure that he's dead. And while they're tussling on the ground, Julie looks over at him and says, hey, the bracelet. And then he rips the bracelet off of her, and then she's no longer under the effect of the pulse. Now, everybody's happy, everybody's been killed, but there's still one last thing that they got to deal with, which is the sister. And that ends up being kind of anticlimactic, because she ends up apologizing we get them, you know, but before that even happens, we get Sam and Dax, of course, showing their affection for each other. They kiss. And then, you know, Julie basically escapes 
and the movie ends. You know, sis, you, uh, you killed a number of people tonight. Yeah. Whew. I mean, murder. Horrible. Lesson learned. I think maybe they're going to want to send you somewhere. Uh-huh. Maybe get me some good psychiatric help. Jesus Christ, sis! Happy Halloween, big brother. So, is this the third way a horror movie ends? Classic. So that was Bloodfest. Now there's two stingers after that music plays. There's actually another end theme song to the movie too. But after that plays, we see Sam and uh, Dax out there and they're looking and Dax asks, do you think anybody else survived? And then all of a sudden, because it's morning and everything was rigged to blow in the morning, then it all blows up and they're the only two that survived the whole thing. Then after the the rest of the credits, we see the ground like where the, everything's kind of blown up, and we see the, the you know the cane with a skull on it. A hand reaches out and grabs the cane, and then that's the end of the movie. So that's Bloodfest, and Bloodfest is a really good time. I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. I thought that it was funny. It was perfectly gory. It had good characters in it. It had good acting in it. You know, for as far as a horror movie goes, you know, your acting is either mediocre, poor, or good. And I think that's good. There's some that are great, but it's rare and few far between that you get, like, everybody being on the same level. And I really felt that everybody was kind of there. Because, like, douchebag director really made me feel like that was a douchebag. I love the storyline that Roger had, uh, that, you know, you have a great performance, even though it's similar really to his Ned in the Spider-Man Homecoming and the Spider-Man movies. I really enjoyed the the actor that plays Krill, uh, Jacob Batalon. Um, I like Sam. I think that she was a good character. You know, it's just, it's generally good, and there were really good moments of tension, especially when it was with the clowns, and I really liked the creativity of creating these different, like, worlds on the thing, and they kind of went through uh, a bunch of them. I wish they had gone through more. I wish the other ones that were on there were actually seen, like the asylum and the motel and, and those places, but I get it. Your time constraints, budgets, and stuff like that. Let's go see the better places, the ones that, you know, the monsters that we know, and let's live up to the tropes. It is extremely tropey, but it's tropey for a reason, and the reason is, is that they are, you know, one, I th like I said, I think it's a love letter to horror in general, and two, that it is meta, and that's why we have all these tropes, like they know what they're going through, so of course we're going to get the zombies, and they're not real, they're all made which is kind of an interesting concept and kind of cool. And like, even when we get the vampire portion, like 
she's like, I'm not a vampire. I have a disease that makes me do this. And, you know, I got transformed in that way. And that's just the way that it is. So it's interesting, even though she manages to form vampire teeth, which is very weird. But overall, I just had a really good time watching this movie. And I think it's a movie that people should see, right? Again, with the twist thing, like, the only real twist was the fact that the sister was the the bad guy. But I wish that we had seen more of Red, right? The other twist, that the father was the real person behind the whole thing, I kind of guessed that right in the beginning, right when they had the talk, right? I'm like, oh... There's something weird with him, and I bet you he's going to be involved. And then when you heard Silent Partner, I'm like, oh, I bet you it's the dad. Like, that's the only way they could make it if they were trying to do this whole thing with I hate horror so much and you can't go to horror. Like, what are they trying to do and what are they trying to say? So it wasn't really a surprise, but I don't know if it was really meant to be a surprise because I feel like they threw a lot of bones out there. And if you didn't know by the time the news conference came, then you're just going to, you will be surprised. But it's not like a huge thing. And while maybe it spoils the way the movie goes, he's not like in it a ton to where like, oh crap, my son went into Bloodfest and he's trying to find his son and he's fighting also through the waves of all the different horror things. And then when he gets there and then the guy's like, you know, the the director, he's like, hey, what's up, Dr. Conway? Hey, your project is going well. Then that would have been surprising, right? Because he's spent all this time trying to save his son, and then all of a sudden you find out that he's the one that's fun to the whole thing. And so I guess this was also fun with, you know, it being kids and them not knowing where you're spending all your money uh, when it's going to this, and they still live a fucking fabulous lifestyle and live in a nice fucking house and everything. So uh, I'm going to give this film... Uh, on the rating scales that I normally do. The gore, it's a 5 out of 5. It's got some great gory scenes. It has some other stuff where it's kind of off-camera gore, but the big gore scenes are fantastic, and it's really fun. I really enjoyed the uh, you know, the Night of the Living Dead scene with the, the intestines and everything like that. That one dude getting sawed in half. People get knives through their face. Uh, Ashley getting a, a hand through her stomach and her heart popping out. Like, it's all really cool And when they really go on the gore. There's even a scene when the clowns are killing the zombies and one of the clowns has, like, a hammer and is just bashing a zombie in the head with it. It's fucking fantastic. Crap Factor, uh, I'd give it a 3 out of 5 just because sometimes the tropes are too heavily leaned on. Like, they could introduce the trope and they could have done something different with it, kind of like Cabin in the Woods did. Like, Again, this has a very Cabin in the Woods feel to it in that it's lighthearted in moments and it has good horror and scary things that happen, but it's not all scary. It doesn't quite hit that level that Cabin in the Woods did, but it still is very entertaining. But again, there are a couple of stupid things like the saw trap. Like, they could have easily gotten out of it. They could have figured out a way. They didn't necessarily need to kill Roger, but I also understand why they did. Uh, then for the fun factor, it's a five out of five. I think it's really funny. I think that a lot of the jokes hit. I think when it's cringy, it perfectly hits right. Um, and I, like I said, I think the characters are good. I think the actors are good. The gore is good and it's just fun. I don't know how, I mean, critics are critics, I guess, you know, and I guess I kind of have to lump myself into that since I'm rating movies and doing and being critical about things. But I always kind of enjoy nowadays listening to people that 
are quote unquote regular people that they consider themselves to be critics, but they're not like the, the written critics, like your newspapers and those types of things. Like everybody can be a critic, right? But there's some people that make a living on doing it. And you know, there are some that approach things just as their normal selves. And there's other people that are in a totally different realm and just like, they look at things for high art, right? And this premiered at South by Southwest in 2018, and uh, it was received rather well there. I mean, the audience seemed to really like it. So it's one of those things where I just feel like, you know, it, it it's one of those movies I think that it's not going to be critic-friendly, but it it's probably pretty audience-friendly as it is. So overall, I'm going to give it four out of five uh, vape pens. So it's a or or should i do four out of five like uh camp vamps maybe that's the better way to do it four out of five camp vamps uh it's very fun i think that if if you like these types of movies you like the meta movies you like uh you know comedy horror this is right up your alley and i think that you know even though for me it has the rooster teeth name attached to it uh they're just really producing it and i'm not saying that rooster teeth is bad because they are really good at what they do and i wish they would do more and the ending kind of leaves it open maybe they do a sequel maybe they don't maybe they just leave it there and kind of leave things out in the open but how somebody could survive after everything being fucking exploded i don't really know so hey it's a it's a good movie and it's something that everybody should see so that is it for this episode, so I really appreciate it. One of the things I want to say is that uh, I messed up last episode uh, on the mini-sode where I said Dave's Pop Culture Podcast, and it's all things Dave's podcast. So the episode that I did with him on uh, the last Vincent Price movie should be, should be released already. I think it was released on Friday. So if you want to listen to it early, not on this feed, uh, it is available on Dave's feed on All Things Dave, uh, where we talk about the House of Usher. It, it was a lot of fun to talk about that movie, and it's a movie that I think a lot of people would enjoy as well. It's all available on Amazon Prime right now at the time of this recording. So, um, and then, uh, yeah, for everything else, uh, you know, just guess to do the normal plugs here. Uh, had a lot of fun with the people came and watched Bubba Hotep with me. I talked about it a little bit last week. This week, um, I think we're going to do some type of like 80s horror on the Twitch stream. So after this podcast airs, if you guys want to come on by, hang out, talk about some movies, uh, we'll be doing a movie stream on Thursday, uh, followed by the following week at a game stream on the same night. And you can come and, you know, watch me fail at games like failing at fucking Mario Party this last week. But nonetheless, and then as always, you know, check out Isaac Thorne. I know I made fun of him in this podcast episode because honestly, the more I think about it, I think really he is the arborist. So make sure that you're following him on Twitter at Isaac R. Thorne. That's T-H-O-R-N-E. Make sure that you're giving him a follow out there. And also Evan from the Waste at From the Wastes. Make sure that you follow him as well. As for me, everything that's out there, you can find me on Facebook, facebook.com slash terrible terror podcast, Instagram.com slash terrible terror podcast, and then Twitter, T underscore T underscore podcast, lastly, twitch.tv slash terrible terrors. 
And uh, yeah, so we'll do a new mini episode next week. Uh, the following one, this one, I think that one I'm going to get the audio from Dave and we'll have some Vincent Price chat on here. So thank you guys so much for listening. I always really appreciate it. Make sure to take care of yourselves and each other. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.